And this is Brandon, a.k.a. Big Daddy. Nobody calls you that. Right. Yeah, and we're here with Green Leather Sofa Podcast. Season 2. Let's get into this episode. Yo. I have a random question for you. A random question. Do you know how to do like all the engineer stuff with music and like mastering tracks and things like that? Mastering tracks. Um, no. I mean, I've been kind of fucking with Adobe's stuff, but like I don't know how to read Japanese, so. Hmm. Oh, I was just asking because I think I want to make a mixtape. A, a, a what tape? A mixtape. A mixtape. Yeah. With music? Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No. No. You didn't even ask me what was going to be on it. Just I don't care. my dreams. What can you talk about? No. No. I wouldn't even let you do it to like to, to the theme song of this podcast. We don't no. have a theme song. Oh, yeah, we do. Well, kind, kind of. of. It's like kind, kind of. of. Like, it's like a stock like <laughs> jazz club like <laughs> intro. Yeah, um, the song, the music that I actually would have wanted to use for this, um, we can't use it. Uh, but if you know it, mm. leave us a message that we'll include um, in the next episode, I guess. But um, the song I wanted to use actually plays in with the name of this podcast. I can't remember if we've explained where we got the name from in any previous episodes. But uh, it comes from a Biggie Small song or a line in a Biggie Small song. So, yes, but I'm still confused. Uh huh. You, when you say mixtape, <laughs> when when you say mixtape, do you mean like like rapping? Yeah. I I would I would prefer. I would prefer Mirror Bitch from, from Insecure and, and, and Loretta Devine singing the hook to just about anything that I could think about you rapping. Well, I'm 33 and I decided I wanted to uh, do something life changing, like have a mixtape. Um, but as we see in this movie, 30 something year olds really shake up everything when they try to change their life around. Uh, at the drop of a dime, too. Yeah. But I would rather you sell cheap jewelry from China like everybody else when they want to change their life. Or jump into realty or something like that. You want that. me to have an MLM. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there, you know, like, I still have, like, an extra Primerica coupon if you want to, like, go to, like, one of those fucking conferences and change your life. No, I think I think I will sell paparazzi, <clears throat> like you said. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> but... Hey, we uh we finished a movie that uh I swear to you, I promise you, I wouldn't have picked it. Yeah, no, he wouldn't have. <laughs> this this comes this was a BET classic, and to me it was like when um to me it felt like Sundays when the gospel shit would come on. Yes. And I would just flip so quick from BET. <laughs> Sometimes they would play this after. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> this is this is the after. official like Sunday evening, you know after after church movie yeah you know they didn't play music videos on sundays on bt Mm-mm. back in the day so it's like you either have the news or you're gonna have one of these yes. movies on sunday bet was like 
the Chick-fil-A of, of media. Like, they just shut down shop on Sundays. Wholesome. No offense to the people that actually watch BET on Sundays. Maybe, you know, it's the only time your mama let you watch it or something. I think it's nostalgic for a lot of people, and that is accurate. Yeah. That's accurate. Thanks, Dr. Bobby Jones. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was kind of surprised. Like, you know, like, I even even in the BET Awards, I remember, like, at the end, they would always bring out Yolanda Adams or somebody. And, and Bobby next, Jones. <laughs> and people are just walking out of the, you know, Diddy and them are down there. They're like, all right, we got to go, y'all. <laughs> like, everyone starts leaving and shit. They just know. Yeah, they, they should know, shit. They're not the big draw. Like... I, and BET was perfectly suited to to really engage just about every generation. Yeah, yeah. And the problem is that they were chasing what every other network was doing, and that's the that was their downfall. Imagine if BET was still running like 106 and Park on air, people would be watching that more now. Yes. Because you know, like yes, some of these like new music videos have millions and millions of views, but. Most people like if you if I showed you like a little baby music video right now, you'd be like, oh, I never seen this before. Mm-hmm. But it got like 24 million views. Yeah. And, you know, that's probably why uh, YouTube has YouTube music. Well, not even just YouTube music, like a lot of those videos and stuff. They have so many views because I think deep down people were not even all that deep. People miss music videos. Yes. The people who grew up with music videos being like on your actual TV, you could watch in your bedroom. Yeah. Without YouTube. Uh, that was that was life for a lot of us. Now, going back to asking me about mixing. Um, if <clears throat> if they could suddenly. Let's say if YouTube could. Go back and remaster all of the nice, all of your favorite videos from the 90s. Because mm-hmm. you know the cinematography is starkly different from 95 to 2005. The The resolution is just so much like, it's, it's kind of like how we watch this movie in 360p when we got 1080. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like if they could go back and remaster it and make it 1080 or better, would you be okay with that? Or do you want it to still feel like a 1995 music video? I would want both options. You don't want both options? No, I would. I oh. would want both options. Okay, I can see that. Um, because yeah. sometimes you do want like the full immersive experience. Yeah. Um, but then other times <clears throat> you're just like, man, Shamar Moore's in that video. I want to be able to see Shamar Moore. <laughs> wow. You know what he's doing? Mm-hmm. Shaking them shoulders, boy. <laughs> Old Soul Train line ass nigga. <laughs> All right, let me ask you this. If yeah. you could choose one music video yeah. from like the 90s or yeah. before. I already got it in mind. That you could see clear as day. Uh-huh. Remember, I said 90s, not 2000s. 90s. 90s. Got it. All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you could choose a movie from back, yeah. I mean a video from back then, that you want to see crisp and clear as the technology we have today, what would it be? Um, Bone Thugs Crossroads or any Buster Rhymes video. Imagine seeing Buster Rhymes video in one of those like uh, Oculus like headsets. Oh yeah, it'll yeah, fucking yeah. you'll you'll feel like you're on a psychedelic. You probably would. Yeah, it, it would blow your mind. Um, I would want to see Crossroads. I would want to see um, hmm. There was a Tupac video in mind. I want to say maybe. Oh, uh, I wonder if Heaven Got a Ghetto. I would love to see that shit. Yeah, that shit had me thinking he was still alive. I still thought he was alive in 2003. Me and my homeboy next door to one you saw. 
we had we That's had his name. <laughs> no, no, no. We ain't we ain't giving up his name. It's his birthday today, no. matter of fact. Oh wow! Happy birthday! <laughs> it's my homie. It's my homie Chris. Homie yeah, next no. door that you saw. <laughs> his name is homie next door, and um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, nah, my dog Chris. Um, but yeah, no, no. We 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 had full belief that he was still alive. It was all in his music, yo. All of it. Wow. I, I was I was no. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen. I'm listening. Okay. Yeah, no, my dad had to like literally like slap me like it, the reality into me. Like he's like, listen, that nigga dead. Like he's like, no, he's like, listen, you have to you have to listen to the music, dad. You gotta listen to the music. We can't keep listening to Freddie Cruz every night. So one time he did let me play Tupac in the car. We were coming back from my granddad's Uh-oh. house in Miami, and uh, I first played Hail Mary. Hated it. Then I played, <laughs> I played. I wonder if heaven got a ghetto. He's like, all right, you know, because he's more about the production, just like me. Uh-huh. But when I played Dear Mama, oh, that hit him in the gut. Yeah. Because, you know, it derives from, um, who is it? The Spinners? Sadie? Mm-hmm. It derives from that. So he immediately caught the melody of the hook. And he was like, hold on, wait a second. I said, and I didn't know it at the time. I thought that was an original track. So... I'm telling him, I'm like, listen, you got to listen to the song. You know, he's telling a whole story about his mom and everything, his upbringing. But he clicked onto that and he said, you know what? He might be all right. He might be all right. <laughs> you know, because all he knew was what was uh, portrayed of him on the news. But anyways, I would love to see that. And I would have loved to see this movie in 1080p. I ain't going to lie to you. Because it, it really has me thinking that... uh Alfie Woodard was was fine. She's beautiful, but yeah. I was like, "Oh, is she is she she fine? What's going on?" And she had her hair done. Mm. <laughs> but um, yeah, the movie we're doing is 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 funny Valentine's. Yes. Now, Brandon and I were in Publix earlier getting some snacks for oh, this Lord. for this uh, <laughs> event, mm-hmm. this recording. Um. And, you know, I pitched this movie to him because I said, you know, people are talking about this movie on TikTok, right? Mm-hmm. And um, this movie, I guess, I feel like this movie had has come full circle in a way, right? Okay. I'm going to tell you a quick story about somebody in this movie. Mm-hmm. So, quite a few years back, this is me fresh out of college and in my first apartment. Uh-huh. I was sitting down looking for a movie to watch and I was trying to find this movie on YouTube and I couldn't find it. Um, so I sent out a tweet and then I believe yeah, I believe I found Kawana on Twitter. So Kawana is in this movie. She plays as Gail. And um, I had asked her, I was just like, hey, do you know if this is like streaming anywhere or whatever? And she said, no, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I don't remember how the conversation went. I think she was looking for somebody to help her with PR for a project she was working on. And I had just graduated, you know, mm-hmm. with a PR degree. <clears throat> so we decided to work together on that project. And she was doing a web series at the time. Um, it was, it was very fun. It was very fun, like a very fun show. It's about some of the things that, you know, everybody goes through in college. Some of the drama and the boyfriend-girlfriend thing. All of that. Very good project. It's still on YouTube. The last time I checked, 
It's called Young and Reckless. So anyway, um, she Kawana, I didn't even know at the time that, like, I guess we became contacts or whatever. I didn't even know that she was the original person who played Young Nala on Broadway. Uh, Lion King? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so she was in that, I think, at the age of 10 or so. And when I found that out, I'm just like, wow. Because I thought she was good in this movie. Um, Wait, you mean she wasn't good at Nala? She was great at Nala, from what I know. Like, don't take my New York card, anybody, but I still haven't gone to see that on Broadway. Is Broadway a big thing for kids there? To be in or to see? To see. I mean, Broadway, yes. And I've seen things on Broadway, like... um, when I was a kid, still living in New York, but I haven't gone back to do any of the tourist stuff. And <clears throat> The Lion King came out, I think, the year that I left New York, so mm. or around that time. So no, I didn't see it. Um, but anyway, Kawana, um, this project is over, and I'm still kind of watching her from a distance or whatever. And she's done a lot of good projects. You know, leading up to her being on Kingdom Business, mm-hmm. on BT Plus. On, on BT Plus, that show is so good. It's a quick weekend binge. It's eight episodes, so you can really sit and watch it in one day, or you know, whatever. But you can finish the whole thing in a weekend. The best way I can describe it is kind of like Greenleaf meets Empire. Mm. Yeah, and. The good thing about uh, Funny Valentines is that we got to see a lot of people uh, early in their careers. I love movies like that. And it's what made, quote unquote, ensemble casts in black movies so uh, important. Because when you can really like trace back no less than five to ten, you know, actors that have all gone on to do, you know, bigger and better things. That's an amazing thing. And it does show how our community is tight-knit and how we do, like, you know, lift each other up at times. And, okay, so let me think of who else we saw in this movie. Of course, we have Alfred Woodard and Loretta Devine as the main characters. Mm -hmm. Um, We also have CCH Pounder. Uh, And the actress who played Brenda, I cannot think of her name, but I know she played Clarita on The House of Paints. Um... The one who played whom? Clarita. Oh, Clarita. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. I mean, what's her name in the, in the movie? Brenda. Brenda, Brenda. Who's Brenda? Brenda was Joyce's mom. Oh, well, okay, okay. Both yeah. of their moms. Okay. Oh. I don't know if you want to put that out there. Oh. <laughs> Spoiler alert, right? Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, Okay. Yeah, so we have her. And then we have the actress who played Lauren. I know her first name is Megalyn. I do not remember her last name. because Man, you don't want me to even try it. No, I don't want you to try it. I don't want to butcher her name. I Um, don't. It starts with an E. That's it. But I know that she's been in projects. Like I can't put my finger on the project she's been in, but I know that I've seen her face in a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And Brandon isn't googling right now no no i'm not googling actually i'm sorry <laughs> no it's fine um but yeah she's been a lot of things but most recently or 
the most recent thing I can think of to that people have seen yeah is a music video uh she was actually in Jadena's Bambi video as oh God stop bringing Bambi. him up well what do you want me to do that's that's something she was in yeah but I mean he's not relevant enough to even bring up he's not relevant any he's relevant now his it's his music video so it's relevant <sighs> now um, it's relevant to this conversation from you yes okay so uh, wait oh never never mind brandon mm. anyway she was in that um playing bambi very beautiful um hmm. but essentially everybody looks the same i'm trying to think of who might have yeah, no, everyone does look the everybody same. I'm, the I'm same. looking up her stuff now. Including, I mean, uh, Saquon Sinblow, I think that's how she pronounces her name. And um, she played young Derry B in this movie, mm-hmm. but she is now the mom, Lillian, on The Wonder Years. Mm. Looking exactly the same, <laughs> just older. Man, that was her. Oh my God, that was her. She was on my show 24. I knew there was something about her that was so, uh, there was something familiar. I couldn't put my finger on what it was. Yeah, but everybody looks the same. She looks great. You're absolutely right. Who else? Oh, man. I feel like I might be forgetting someone. Yeah, but everybody else who I've listed, like, they've gone on to do very great things. And um, this this movie... Even though it's a made-for-TV movie, mm-hmm. I feel like it was a really good performance from Loretta Devine. Yeah, I could say that. I, I could say that it was a... It, it's... I find that any transformative role should be. I, I do. If we're going to... If we're going to award uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. for radio, if we're going to award, um, you know, Jamie Foxx for Ray or... Anything where you have to take a real, like, cognitive, sensual, um, no, not sensual, but, like, sensory change in order to perform, even mentality-wise. You know, like, I think that, you know, this is why Heath Ledger is so regarded as Joker. Just get the Twizzler. I told Please. myself I was not going to have any candy during Please. this podcast. Just, just get the, let me, get let, the tools. Let me go ahead and get a few and put them on my lap, you know, my like God. you said the last time. Now, mind you, uh, uh, to, to the listeners, I'm sorry that she's even eating Twizzlers. <laughs> she's actually on punishment. <laughs> and as a reminder, Brandon doesn't like grits. <laughs> <laughs> Take another Twizzler. Take another Twizzler. No, I, I got three. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Gotta um, have my candy, y'all. Man, it's so nasty. It's so nasty watching a human being consume a Twizzlers rope. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, but, fuck, where was I? Why did you do we this to me? We were talking about how Loretta Devine had to really get into character. Yes, Heath Ledger. Okay, mm-hmm. so even when he played the Joker, I think that this is this was a transformative role for her. I think that it best suited her ability to annoy us with her voice. Um, and and she kind of got her cardio uh, work done, this film. She must have because she's always out of breath. It's almost like she's singing her lines to us, you know. Um, but she did an awesome job. Like, whether she was slow or, or just touched or... And when I, I say touched... 
You can't you can't use you can't even say that. Whether she was special or or just innocent or stuck in an age. I don't want to diagnose anything. Yeah, no, no, no diagnoses. No, 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 I'm not saying you, but like, this isn't official, but, hmm, I I think she might have just had like a learning disability. I think that that's what it was. Um, and maybe social delays too. Yeah. Big time social delay. Now that can, those things can be present in quite a few things today but I guess for the sake of calling it something I would say like neurodiverse okay I mean and that even that that would be a proper direction to place as a general like you know observation of this character but even that's something that you would really have to look up in order to say it, you know. Um, yeah. But I would say so um, because it, I I find that she has no problem understanding things, but she has, she just has a very permanent childlike approach to connecting with the world. She does everything very innocently. She does everything very heartfelt. But, like, she can get into a bag where she needs to, you know, protect Mm -hmm. or to fight. And children don't tend to do that, you know. So, it's just, I think that she just has a very, very strict uh, perception of the world. And she just chooses to see everything and everyone one way. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're a good person to her, you're a good person to her. There's nothing you can do that will ever hurt you. If you're a bad person, there's nothing you can do to be good. And luckily for her, there's, you know, only a few bad people in her life. Right. And they're not there for long. So she does live in a bubble because she she's not even living with the same adversity that someone like you or me are living with, where we could be dealing with backstabbing friends. We could be dealing with family members that, you know, ain't shit. We could be dealing with, you know, uh, co-workers that are, are trying to have it out for us. But she... She lives her life. I don't even know how she keeps her house or how she keeps a living, but she's able to just live and be ripped off by everybody and just take her take her time with life, you know? Let it come to her. Yeah, I've always wondered that too. I'm just like, was the mom still living there before she got sick? Because she's paying for the mom. Yeah. As well. Um, as far as we know. But yeah, that's always been like a question as many times as I've seen this movie. Mm-hmm. How, what did she actually do for money? Yeah, she ain't selling jars of pickles. She can't be. And plus, she's ripping herself off by selling it to the lowest bidder. You know, and then these people turn right around. That was what was crazy to me. Let me buy a jar of those pickles. Yeah. I, I'm going to push my microphone back because I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Oh Lord, we got pickles. We got pickles. Yeah, yeah. Let me let me show you these pickles here. And she'll sell like fifty jars pause. of them. No, no. Pause. Wait. Pause. What? 
You know that's how it is. No, I need to know who keeps asking you to do impersonation. No, no. I, I can't even say the word. Impersonations? Yes, of, of the I, people in the movies. I have a Ooh. secret email account that has thousands of people asking me to do impressions. No. Because we no. don't have the clips. No. Listen. <laughs> I'll sell you 50 jars for $2. I think this might be worse than you making Tay Diggs fake Jamaican accent. Tay Diggs's fucking accent is a fake accent. How are you? No, how am I gonna fake a fake accent? That's what you, <laughs> you guys go back and listen to the Hasella Groove Back episode. Brandon, don't <laughs> Brandon tried to make himself sound like Tay Diggs. Tried no, to make himself sound like a Jamaican. No, no, I was sounding like a Jamaican. You were sounding like I got, Tay Diggs. I got, I got, I got all kinds of uh, uh, positive feedback from from the Kingston them. I did. They believed that shit. They knew what I was talking about because I'm around them enough. I'm around them enough. It's kind of like, it's kind of like when, when if they came over and I made oxtails and they'd be like, "Man, there's no way you can make this." You know, the young boy think you can make the oxtail. Like I could do that shit. And then when I make the fucking plate, when I make the fucking plate though, please stop. And I use the pimento seeds. They love that. Please stop. It hurts to laugh. I have the good spanks on. Don't do this to the me. The good spanks. <laughs> <sighs> oh, boy. Anyways, anyways. Basically, <laughs> basically, uh, Deary B, who's played by Loretta Devine, loud ass, she's, she's basically selling these people 50 jars of pickles for like fucking like $5. And then they turn around and sell it like 10 bucks a fucking jar. And... It's because she just loves people. Even when she's made aware that she's getting ripped off it, it, to this degree. She's like, nah, I just I just want to do this. I, I just like putting food in a jar. Yeah. And she'd be putting in work. She she has to you have to understand, she's cultivating a lot of this this these products. She's 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 putting time into the earth and watering and mm-hmm. going around and checking on it. And these are beautiful vegetables and shit. We saw her shop for like one little basket of fruit and yes. vegetables. So yeah, I agree. I think that she's growing stuff in the backyard. We saw her oh, chickens yeah. too. Yeah. You know, and um, you have to understand this. It's just like she puts a lot of care into what she does. And then people just turn around and sell her shit for like, what, 700% more? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's like she said she doesn't think that the people are bad because it's a business opportunity. And then mm-hmm. I would have to look at everybody else like they're simple because. Listen, if you're selling something, you're going you're gonna to want some simple people. You do. You want people that just want it for the, for the love of it. Just off the strength. I'm going to just buy it. Just because I fucks with you, could. That's what you want. And that's what Deary B had. I think she, I think her mission was was fulfilled. I think I think her mission was complete. Because something tells me she would just get that shit out for free. Well, didn't she in the movie? I mean, she gave it tons of people free. Oh, did you did you notice something? Uh-oh. Did you notice something? What's up? The first person she gave some, uh, her them jars to that old man. Oh, I only got some change. I get paid next week. She never went back for that money though. That nigga probably been playing that, that that gambit on her every two weeks. She drop off the goods. Oh, oh man, you just missed me. I paid my I paid my mortgage this month. But if you come back next week, knowing damn well she won't remember. They know it. 
I think you should be taken advantage of, man. I think these, they, I think, I think these, I think the the caucus people been been playing her. I think it was only them playing her. Everyone else, they had something for. Her. You know. Thank you, because I watched this movie and I'm like, they're in the deep south, but. I guess because they're focusing on the big thing that happened to Derry B, they're not going to touch on racism in this movie, too. Mm. We only got to see it, you know, through a black person's lens. Yeah. But, yeah, it could be that, too. Yeah. Because if you notice, every time she goes into town, that's a white town with a couple of black people in it. And it's the same black people. It's the same. Martin Luther <laughs> King Jr.'s daughter. <laughs> and Jose just noticed that. daughter. Just... <laughs> Those are the only black people in town. <laughs> Hold on, we got to here, too, because... <laughs> Listen, okay, so uh, Yolanda King, that is uh, Martin Luther King's late daughter. Wait, wait, which one was she? Yolanda. Yolanda. Who's Yolanda? Yolanda... Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, Yolanda name, King. Yeah, her in, name in the is movie. Yolanda. In the movie, she was one of the ushers. Remember, she said, this is me and my sister. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Yeah, with those gloves. Yeah, so they were in this movie together, and around the same time, they were also in Selma, Lord Selma together. Mm. And I'm like, you see them in the movies like this. And the other thing I wanted to point out is because, you know, both of them, that was like a 1960s movie. I think it was supposed to take place in the 1960s. Mm. Yeah, what what would you say, like, the... um, the throwback scenes, that was what, late 60s, they said? I think it was like 67, 68. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, you have that movie. So I think that these two women, every throwback movie where we see people in this era, you're going to see those two. Mm-hmm. Either one or both of them. Yeah. Um, Another person who does well in these types of movies. Who's the one with the big eyes? Loretta Devine. Well, Loretta Devine, but in, in these types of movies as well as the one that played one of the maids. Um, Anjanou that... Ellis. She was um she was in Lovecraft Country. She's another one who's good at this era. Uh... No, she wasn't she the one that won the award? Like, she was like the favorite the favorite maid? Um, Octavia Spencer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mama. <laughs> yeah, she does well in this era. Um, mm-hmm. But we, we have some actors and actresses when you think about them or you think about a a movie that you want to have in the late 60s throwing it back a little bit who am i going to put in here you're going to call up journey smollett <laughs> yeah she's like the she's like the quintessential like uh first generation mulatto i i don't just see her in those roles though <laughs> i think anytime you need like a loud booming voice to be somebody like that from back then and yeah. who can really get the old timey mannerisms down and the intonation down. She's definitely one. Okay. I can see that. Who could play, you know, back in that time. Um, mm-hmm. Lynn Whitfield's another one. You mm. going back in time? She's in it. Uh, who else? Tasha Smith. <laughs> Tasha, Tasha Smith. <laughs> What? They need to get Tasha Smith, Jennifer Lewis, Loretta Devine all locked in a fucking room, blindfolded, and the only way out is to just fucking scream at each other. That'd be a fucking horror film. Like, 
Whoever's eardrum bursts first. Which one do you think you're going to hear more? Fuck it, man. Loretta Devine is walking out of here. But it it, it just depends on how long it takes her because if she runs out of breath, it's over. It's going to be between Marcus Divas. Oh, my God. Oh. (laughs) Son, you're looking at my breasts. Like, it's like, oh, my God. Yo, I felt so bad for him because he was so like muscular and he was scared to death of his wife. Yo, that's the problem. Uh, he's on Kingdom Business too. Oh, Michael Jai White. Yes. You know, low key, he's done a lot of fucking shit. Like Hello? honestly, he's like, and he's really, he's really a martial artist. Martial artist. Mm-hmm. Like he called Steven Seagal a bitch. Like, he's that good. I would say, aside from the martial arts thing, his Hollywood twin is probably Wood Harris. Wait, what? You know Wood Harris? Wood Harris, the buddy from fucking... BMF. Uh, yeah. And, and meet the... Uh, remember the Titans and... Paid in full. <laughs> and the new edition <laughs> miniseries. You don't mean... Twin as in what? Lookalike? No. Oh. Not lookalike. Like, as far as you've seen them in so many different things, like, you know how they say somebody's typecast, like these two are not that because you can't say, oh, I've seen him in this movie. So I've seen him in other movies. You're talking about Black Dynamite. (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) So, I, I mean, I like those types of actors. Yeah. I mean, he's a solid, he's a, he's a solid actor. He's always going to get work and he's enough. I'm telling you, man. We'll come back to it, I hope. But The Wire put out nothing but fucking hits in terms of careers. Every single person damn near has hit the upper stratosphere in terms of, you know, where they could have gone. You know, they're like, like Wood Harris, he wasn't supposed to. I don't think he was supposed to be this big. I don't think Michael, Michael, I was about to, I, say, I was about to call him Michael Harris. J. Borden. Michael B. Jordan should not be where he is right now. I'm sorry. He is not that talented. He's not that guy. I think he's talented, but I don't think that he should be where he is. No, the he only shouldn't. Thing, the only thing is that certain, and I know this is like a whole tangent, but certain black actors or actresses, right? The ones that end up with those mainstream films or TV shows. Mm-hmm. Right. After a while, white Hollywood feels like they have to reward us for longevity. Because yes. that's how their game works. Yeah. It's like, all right, we gotta pick one of these niggas. Yeah. Um Mo Michael B. Jordan. What what was he in? Like, oh, he was in a Marvel film, so we ha- you know we have to. No, this and is then- this is what got him the Marvel film. I'm talking about when when they chose him anything he did after that movie Chronicle. It was like, what? Let me let me backtrack a okay. little bit further. Okay. He was in a white savior movie. Listen, I can't even talk about what happened before Chronicle. He was in Hardball. Oh, he was one of them dusty kids with the boogery nose. Yes. Because he was a dirty nigga in like four or five films. He was like <laughs> he was the quintessential little dirty nigga. 
He was. That's why it and that's why it always it's like funny it was like it's Yeah. It was like, yo, how are girls liking him, man? This this dude had like boogers in like three films. Oh, oh. It it always killed me. And I'm like, I you know how like women when they were loving Trey songs, but I could only see the cry face with the long dookie braids. Like that was that's the Trey songs that y'all are swooning over to me. I sure was back in the day. Now I, I, I do not support Trey songs. <laughs> you at sure? All. I am sure. <laughs> yep. You sure? I'm positive. Mm. I'm po- if I wanted to see him I could have seen him again years ago and mm no. Okay, I didn't know you had it like that to to summon Trey songs. Not to summon, but <laughs> I have some connections. Uh, but no, like I'm not a supporter anymore, and it broke my heart. But back then, man, Natalie would tell you I called my mother mm-hmm. several times that day asking her, you know, make sure you get my my uh, CD free. I need it today. It drops today. Bring it home. <laughs> <laughs> I have a dear close friend. Um, her name is Chelsea. And anytime I ever hear the name Trey Songs, I instantly think of her because she was his biggest fan ever. We are deep down a rabbit hole right now. Yeah, know? we are. We need to crawl out. We need to crawl out. But we love you, Chelsea. Anyways, we're going to crawl out, <clears throat> get back into this film. Can we start the film? Yes. Okay, let's, let's start the film. Um, I have a clip here, and this is pretty much the first scene of the fucking movie. And this is um, pretty much, this is pretty much like, you know, the whole um, anchor to this movie is what happened in this first scene. Joyce is at home. She looked like she was already dressed to do something mm-hmm. or go somewhere. A nice formal event. Yes. I mean, she looked pretty damn formal. And her husband has been running behind, like five hours behind. He's been running in the streets. Go say it. Allegedly. Say allegedly. Because he never said he did. She already had proof. We're, we're going to Because Because she, okay. Okay. We're going we're gonna to play this clip. Because listen, if I'm the man's lawyer, I can get him off. You look beautiful. Should have gone ahead without me. You don't go to a formal affair without your husband. Where were you? Meeting with a client. I rang the firm. They said you left at 7.30. Well, we met over drinks and dinner. You see, first off, you cannot have your wife calling the job asking where you at, bro. Fellas, get control of your home. Mm-mm. Get control of your home. And if something don't... would have happened to him and she didn't call, she might not have known until you got to the hospital. If something happens to me, You'll know about it when I get to the hospital. You're my emergency contact. It'll be okay. Don't call my job. Is she though? Might be the side chick at this point. But, you know. I, <laughs> he could be pulling the Charles. Listen. But, you just because he was married to her doesn't mean that was his girl. His girl was that lady that he already had the baby with. A family with. That was his girl. And he could have been doing the same thing. Daniel could be doing the same thing. No, no. Trust me. Whatever her name is from uh, a Diary of a Mad Black Woman, mm-hmm. she was not Charles's uh, emergency contact. That woman was. She's the beneficiary to that man's. Oh, Joyce. Well, no. What I'm saying is, Joyce shouldn't have to do this if she was worried. But she wasn't worried about his livelihood. She wasn't worried about if he was okay. She wanted to catch something. She wanted to catch something. 
Look at her and face the way she walked in. I'm looking at I'm looking at her eyes. It's in 360p right now, but I'm looking dead in her eyes and she looks like a woman that's like I got this nigga. She's looking for a reason to leave at maybe this point. Maybe she needed confirmation and maybe she was in denial. Okay, so let's because we're chopping this this clip up. I'm going to have to go back. But let's say let, let me ask you this. Is this the first time this happened? This fight that they're having. No, they've had this fight before because okay. he doesn't make time for the family. And that's like that's without even watching the rest of the movie. You can tell from this scene he doesn't make enough time for them. Well, you can tell that she doesn't make enough time for them either. How so? The way her older daughter is treating her and talks to her. That's a girl that does not have that much, uh, you know, relationship with her mom. That's a normal 15 year old teenager who's bratty That's and scary. entitled. Listen, <laughs> I, I joked about this on Twitter years ago, but y'all are making it seem like it's inevitable that a teenage girl is going to just disrespect the shit out of you. Let me tell you, Brandon. Oh, Lord. I try to tell you to brace all the time and no. you give me so much pushback. No, no, no. I try to tell you to brace. And it's not going to be based off of anything that you do wrong. It's not going to be that your daughter is, you know, turning into a bad person. Hormones are telling teenagers to be insane <laughs> and be insane to other people. And when you're a teenage girl like that and... I usually say this next line, um, but I'm not going to say that to you because you can't handle it. <laughs> but it's, it's normal. And you're just going to have to ride the wave. Is this why? Because when, when, when women, they don't have to deal with this with their teenage boys to this degree where it's like a face-to-face -face, like confrontation most of the time you know when a mother is dealing with her son by herself he's just out in the streets and she can't discipline him but little girls they literally talk to you like you you can't fight them <laughs> and to mothers at times from what i see in my perception as a man I would assume that that cuts a little deeper because of the fact that it's just the gall. Like, you're just telling me that, like, like you're, you're telling me you're going to do whatever the hell you want to do. That's crazy to me. As you bite into your little Twizzler. Like, it's I crazy. I didn't try my mom like that. But, but, <laughs> but why not? Why not? Mm -hmm. Why haven't you tried your mom like that? I don't feel like I had to. Okay. Um, no, I didn't come at my mom like that. But I've always been this super assertive person when it comes to my autonomy. And it's, oh, it's so hard because my youngest son is exactly the same way. And he has my face. Mm -hmm. But his favorite like slogan, he says, when he thinks I'm not listening is I want to do what Joe wants to do. <laughs> man, oh man. And that's how I've been my entire life. Like, I want to do what I want to do. I don't really want anybody to tell me what 
I have to do. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. No. I'm but... talking about little girls doing what they were told not to do. Yeah, but I acting mean, how they were mom. told not to act, dressing how they were told not to dress. And almost every girl that I know has done that. Yeah, I mean me too, but like I never wanted to do it without permission. So you know some kids So you never snuck clothes in your book bag to no. change when you got to the movie theater. No. Mm. No. If I wanted to wear it, I would have I made sure that I had permission to wear it. But I would put up a really good argument of why I should wear it. Okay. Quick side note, quick uh-huh. one. What is the most risque thing that you wanted to wear and you had to put up an argument to wear? Mm. When I turned 13. You wanted one of them chokers on your neck, didn't you? Oh, no. my I had that conversation when I was like going into sixth grade. I was like 11. <laughs> but when I was turning 13, I was about to have my first boy-girl party. Mm. You were about to host it? Yes. Okay. For my birthday. And we lived in a townhouse. Mm-hmm. It had a very nice basement. So I've I never have... seen a basement before. <laughs> oh, wow. So anyway, my basement, my dad built it up because it was unfinished when we moved in. Mm-hmm. So he built it up the way that, you know, the family wanted to use it. So we had a storage closet that was a walk-in. Mm-hmm. And then we had like another coat closet. And then we had another closet underneath the stairs. And then we had um, off of the storage closet, we had a gym area where the bathroom was. Okay. And then in front of the laundry room, it was like a little wall. Across from the other closet under the stairs was like a little living room. And off of that living room was a guest room. Okay, I'm picturing like a McDonald's playhouse, but go ahead. For teenagers, <laughs> I mean, we didn't do anything crazy because at the end of the day, it was my parents' house and I wasn't stupid. Oh, but... uh, no seven minutes of heaven, nothing? Oh, no I mean, that, yes, yes, oh, okay. that. But I'm saying like it was nothing else. Oh, I was about to say, cause it, I, no. I, me, if I'm at a party, man, I'm touching something. Yeah, I've been to other basement parties at oh, okay. other houses and st- and it wasn't like at my house where we were all innocent children of God. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> no the the only thing was like i i invited this guy that i liked and this is probably the only time my parents ever did anything like this but this guy that i really liked and he was also sort of like my best friend at the time um he was coming to my birthday party and mm. i knew that he had a crush on me yeah and he was a, a slightly older kid just a year older than me mm. so i wanted to wear like this midriff sweater that I got and my mom had bought it for me but she told me I couldn't really wear it anywhere so I'm like why'd you get this for me if I can't wear it mm. um so we had talked about my birthday outfit and I was like I'm gonna ask her if I could wear it yeah so she was like you know I don't know because you're only turning 13 and then again in the back of my mind I'm just like why'd you buy me this if I can't wear it I was just about to say there's nothing that I buy you that I will be afraid of you wearing but so, I think it was like a not yet like hold on to it cause it's cute and I think it was vintage too yes it was I don't even know what that means in terms of clothes if I tell is you is it gonna be worth more if you sit in them in, in those jeans like I don't get it if I tell you 
you might try to use it for your wardrobe. So I'm not uh, gonna you know you. what is that a crack or is that real talk? You let me know when you know. <laughs> Listen. So, so anyway, <clears throat> cute little sweater I wanted to wear because I was just like, oh, he's coming over to my party. So I'm going to look cute. And I got this little, you know, cashmere sweater. And it's a midriff, so I get to show off my belly button a little bit. And I was already wearing, like, low-rider jeans. Do you have those elongated Audi belly buttons? No. Okay. I haven't any. All right. Ill. Anyway, not nah, because you, you have to understand. Like I, I, I honestly like I think of I think when I think of innies, they they gross me the fuck out because of my occupation. The things that we dig out of people's belly buttons before we do surgery is the most disgusting thing you'll ever see in your life. So when people have innies, it's really like do you have it, an it Audi makes, or something? Because you keep saying people with innies. I would. I was gonna say humanoids with innies, like deep abyss. Innies, like if you stick your pinky in there and you go down to your knuckle, like that's kind of creepy to me. Anyway, Brandon. I'm just saying. No, they were like, me and my mom, we had disagreements, if you can call them that, when you're still a minor and your parent is your parent. No, that's just disrespect. <laughs> now that I'm a parent, it's disrespect. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck no, a disagreement. Like, Who are you disagreeing with? I'm daddy, nigga. Because they, my parents know how I am. They know I talk too much, and I always try to she assert my opinion. <laughs> You're gonna think, assert yourself into your bedroom. That happened quite a few times, but because I'm an introvert, it wasn't like the biggest punishment. Man, I'm turning the power <laughs> off in that room. <laughs> I'm still gonna be fine. I promise you. Oh man, you one of those weird kids. I man. will read by the moonlight. I promise. I'm shutting off the moon too. Fuck that. <laughs> You going? You're gonna go into a fucking cave. I'm gonna make sure. I'm gonna take the door off the hinge. Everything. No, I remember. I think my parents figured that out. Like, sent into her to her room. She's just gonna angry write in her journal about us. Mm-hmm. And then not be bothered by the fact that she's in her room. She could stand there all day. Yeah. By choice. Yeah. But this one time, I thought I was gonna relax at home. Cause I was grounded. And my cousin was in town. And my cousin was grounded. Mm-hmm. You know, my parents got creative and decided to make us go to the movies on a Saturday night where all my friends were going to be. Oh, you mean as a family? Yes. You see, and okay, now, is that is that an embarrassing thing? <sighs> For a teenager, yes. <laughs> now, I'm looking back. Even when, like, I was in elementary school and my dad used to drop us off sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, okay, can you drop us off down here, please? Please, please, please. And it's like, you don't want your, you don't want anyone to know who your parents are. That, and I think it was also a layer of not wanting to feel like a baby because in your yeah, mind, you think yeah. that everybody else is so grown up and they get to do all these things yeah. that are more mature than you. Right. Right. So like having something like your parents dropping you off at school is such a big deal. Like, I don't want anybody to see me. <laughs> and I remember my dad, um, my dad had a new Ford Windstar at the time, and my mom, she had some hoopty because it was her first car. She mm-hmm. started driving late like I did. Mm-hmm. And I swear, I hated when my mother would have to bring us to school. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This is 90s New York, right? Yeah. yeah. Where everybody's looking at Biggie in these videos. Yeah. 
I'm just like, Lord, no, please don't. Please don't let her be the one taking you to school today. Please. Shit. I ain't had no choice, man. My dad loved his 91 Previa. Uh-huh. And it lasted all the way. It, it lasted from when my sister was one years old to when she killed it, when she learned how to drive at like 18. <laughs> like it, it lived a long, illustrious life. It, my homeboys called it the bang bus. You know, we called it the Ninja Turtle van, whatever you want to call it. Oh, it, it was a van? Yeah, it was, oh. it was, it was like one of the, like the first like eight to nine seaters. If you put like a nigga like in the trunk. We like, had one of those too called yeah. Abraham. Rest, <laughs> rest in peace, Abraham. <laughs> that definitely looks like an Abraham. It should have been called the Toyota Abraham. But um, yeah, this 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 thing was like, and I I remember when I turned sixteen and I got my license, I was pushing the big body. I was swerving the big body. All right, it was me and the big body. And you get some pillows and some blankets back there. You put the seats up. Oh, that's the first time you've seen seats go up, girl. I know. I know. But it was like a little bedroom back there. It was. No, don't, don't, don't stew over it. Don't get quiet. No, Follow I was going to say, so I've heard. But then I'm like, <laughs> every time I say something like that, you think I'm, you know, dropping a hint about my past and nope. I was not in the back of nobody's van. Okay? I mean, it, it wasn't a van; it was a bang bus. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> See, you always get, you always got to catch someone like you with semantics and stuff. I was not in the back of anyone's car. No, it's not a car, baby. It's it's a van. <laughs> oh, I was not in the back of nobody's van. Okay. It's not a van; it's a bang bus, though. But when we were watching the movie, Brandon <laughs> was saying that something was up with this particular girl and i'm just like it's what teenagers do to be honest okay hold on i'm gonna get there right after this so let's go back a little bit in this clip because we went way off but let's start let's start this clip over and then then we'll kind of like chime in you look beautiful should have gone ahead without me you don't go to a formal affair without your husband where were you Meeting with a client? I rang the firm. They said you left at 7.30. Well, we met over drinks and dinner. Was having a hard time deciding whether or not to settle out of court. He needed to relax. For five hours, Danny? Where have you been, Daniel? For for those of y'all don't that never seen this film, my dog is standing ten toes down. He's just walking off. He's not engaging. He's not arguing. He ain't fighting yet. He's just walking away. Let her have her little accusations, okay? She don't know what she's talking about. She's just trying to throw things up against the wall and get a reaction. Fellas, a master class in dealing with toxicity in your relationship from yours truly. <clears throat> If you come home to a very, very general accusation, keep it general. Keep it general. Just just, just go on about your business, player. Because she's looking for cues and she's looking for clues. Whichever one she gets, she's going to react even sure worse. I sure that Brandon is not eavesdropping um, any of our mutual female friends. Because I know it wasn't me. I don't, I don't leak the game like that, but somebody's been talking around Brandon. 
Someone's been talking around me? Yeah. Talking about me or around me? Around you. Someone's been talking around me? Around you about the game. No, 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 no. The game, I've been playing the game. I know the game. Okay. I've been in these streets. I've been on both sides of the fence in these types of matters all the time. For the record, like that whole thing of trying to catch a man in the lie is exhausting to me. If I feel like I got to catch him in the lie, I feel like I need to uh, catch a bus somewhere else because, no. Hey, I mean, I'm not I, at this big old age. Mm-mm. A lot of people say that, but it's these women at the big old age that's doing it the most. And I thought it was the younger girls. No, it's these it's these older, jaded women that want to find any situation to fight with you about. You know, they, they bring it in like four or five broken, abusive relationships into your, you know, new dating ship, I guess we can call it. And before you know it, if you don't call it back in two hours, then you've just triggered an alarm. But I mean, OK, so look at this situation. This is her husband and the father of her kids and yeah. her kids are old enough to be able to pick up on what's going on. Because remember, Gail asked, like, are you guys going to get a divorce? That's the younger one. Yes. And she I think she was supposed to be like 10 in this movie. Yeah. So it's not like in my situation where my kids were. I think three and one or four and two or something like that. But it wasn't the same situation. Mm-hmm. Like they don't know. They don't know like that time. My oldest son, he has some memories of like us being together or whatever. But for the most part, mm-hmm. not really. Okay. But her kids are old enough to where they know what's going on. They hear a certain conversation and they're going to think something's wrong. Yeah. I mean, most kids would if they're if they're even able to hear it. But honestly, I got to throw this back at her because I'm like, why are you confronting him in front of your kids? Well, they're supposed me, to be asleep. That doesn't count. You know, kids fake sleep. Let's throw it back to another movie that Alfred Wood was in. OK, uh, exactly. Uh, Love and uh, Basketball. Brooklyn. Love and Basketball. OK. Damn, she's been how in three movies. Respond, mm-hmm. How you respond to your partner in front of your children, especially when you're a woman and you have daughters, it's yeah. going to matter. It's going to matter big time. It's, go- it's going to show your children how they should allow someone to treat them. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, her daughters are old enough to yeah. be able to hear a part of a conversation and form their own opinion about it. So if you hear or if you're if you're old enough to piece together that your dad might be cheating because, yeah, he did stare at your mama. Yeah. Mom's been sitting in the living room for the past five hours in this dress and you were nowhere to be found. And then you you tiptoe in. But the kids didn't see that. I understand well, what Lauren, you're saying. Lauren was up to hear it. Lauren was up to hear the fight. But she didn't. <clears throat> I mean, at some point they were still awake seeing her primping whatever but my thing is who would watch the kids it would be lauren so lauren was supposed to be up and was supposed to be at least watching over gail right but i'm saying like if you know that there's a chance that your children can hear the conversation right or you know you're having a disagreement and you think that possibly you could wake your kids up Mm -hmm. i think you're also going to think about what perceptions your kids can take from the conversation and as a woman 
Like you don't want your child to think that a man can walk over them, even if it is their father, even if it is your husband. Mm-hmm. Like you want them to know, no, you need to stand up for yourself every time. So I think that's probably why she still pushed the issue. Yeah. Because she could have just left on her own. I mean, she should have left on her own, but chasing a man who's walking. Okay. First off, I, I have to say this. <clears throat> if you're, if your idea or if your plan is to start an argument, because you, I, I'm tired. Of, I'm tired of people bringing up controversial topics and not expecting a fight. You know that a fight will ensue at some point, especially if you keep pushing it until you get the type of answer you want. If that is the case, if you know that what you're about to say is about to, you know, result in some kind of struggle, then you're either not communicating it correctly or you're picking the wrong time to do it. And in most times, both are happening at the same time. Like this is. She got all the answers she knew before he walked in the door. She confirmed it when she smelled her perfume on him as he walked by. Why are you walking after him and asking him about it then? You have your confirmation. You don't have to now create a scene that can be misconstrued, misrepresented, or miscommunicated to your kids who now have their own perceptions of both you and him. All we know is that when we woke up, we had to leave with you, mom, and we don't know why. And is he coming? Is dad coming? Where's, what's going on? Why are you taking us from dad now? What's going on? You're not saying anything. You want all this communication with, you know, your husband, but you're not giving them any communication. You're trying to tell us a story about your cousin. Well, I'll say this. It's what you're saying sounds great in theory. I don't think that it's going to happen in actual practice like that. You have to keep in mind, like, she was stewing with her feelings for about, let's say, four hours. The first hour, she thought he was just running late. Okay. But then after you make the phone call, and they tell you that he left at 7, but he's still not to you. Okay. So it might be a combination of, I think I know what's going on. I think that he's with another woman, plus fear. Like, maybe I'm wrong and something happened to him. There's no fear, because she didn't say nothing about calling no hospitals, calling no cops. She didn't. I mean, she doesn't, I don't think that she has to. I just know as a woman, if you're with a man Mm -hmm. and this is your partner, even if you are mad at them, even if this morning you said, I hope they have, you know, a bad day or whatever like that. If they're off of their routine, especially as a, like when you have a black man, they're off their routine. You don't get any phone calls. They told you, they gave you their word that they were going to be somewhere at a certain time and they're not here. Yeah. A small part of you as a woman is like, this dude lied or, you know, he's not where he's supposed to be. And then the other part is maybe something happened to him. Mm. Okay. Good or bad. Something happened. Did you see a sigh or a look of relief when he walked in the door? Did you see anger first? It was anger because she saw that he was okay. Okay. Imagine that. I am worried to death. You walk in, you're okay. I'm pissed. No. It doesn't work like that. If you walk in completely fine and you couldn't even... First of all, she has a cell phone, so I I know that he has one. Okay. He could have picked up the phone and said, hey, I'm running behind. We're not living in those days yet, though. I understand what you're saying. That's for us, where we stay on our phone 24-7. For them... 
I mean, luckily it's in her pocketbook, but he could have had a car phone or something like that. Like this is ninety nine. This is, is ninety nine. Yeah, as much money as they had in this movie, he had a cell phone. Right. If she had one, he had one because back then some families only had one cell phone, and it usually went to the man. So if she has one, he had one. Right. Even my parents had cell phones when this movie came out. Yeah. And if I mean, if he didn't have a cell phone, he could have done it the old school way. Call from the restaurant. I mean, I'm just talking from my own experience. My dad was always the old fashioned one. He liked his roller decks and shit. My mom always had cell phones. She had like the first cell phone, that big one with the shoulder strap. My dad ain't have a cell phone until I came back for college. And we got him one. And it was like a jitterbug and he was so happy. Meanwhile, my mom had like touch screens. He was like, man, if I hold two for like three seconds, I, I could call you right away. That was his excitement level. <laughs> a speakerphone? So if I, if I hit this button, I don't have to put it up to my ear. That, that, that's all it was for him. So. But if, 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 I mean, if what you're saying, he came in with a, a, a coat, I mean, with a jacket, took it off, business casual. He's a lawyer, obviously. Yeah, he had a cell phone. But what I'm saying is, I, I don't. I think that our generation made it a thing where, how dare you have your phone on you and you don't reach out? To them, it may not have been an everyday item that they were using all the time. Is what I'm saying. They would use it like on their business cards. It would be their business phone, their home phone, their fax, and then all the way at the bottom under beeper would be fucking like cell phone. Like that was like the last point of contact back then too. Like he, yeah, I'm just saying like he could have gotten in contact with her. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it was a cell phone or using the restaurant's phone. Yeah. He could have gotten in contact with her. He He, could have. He didn't. And we have to assume that he was constantly just like, he was really trying to close a big deal and he was in work mode the whole time. That that's what we have to assume because he's still to this point has led, had no, he's given no credence to her accusations. We can't sniff the screen, so we don't know what this nigga smelled like when he walked in. And he walked by because he didn't want to fight. But he didn't. De- Once she brought it up, he didn't deny it. He didn't deny it, but he didn't. He, he didn't fight. He did. He knew what it was. As soon as she opened her mouth, he was like, here we go again. It's to the point where it's like, let's say I did cheat. It's because I got to walk into this all the time. No peace. Even though it could be the other way around. Like, you're walking into this because Because you're you did it. Because, like, it, she doesn't have to be the cause. It could be him being the cause to her always being at the door. But it could also be her because you have to understand. Now, now, now we're going into a different space. I didn't think we would. So I'm glad. What if she has some residual, you know, issues with men? in positions of power, you know, sitting by and watching things happen. She's pretty much sitting at the door and waiting for him to come in. Like, the same way she watched, you know, uh, um, Derry B, you know, helplessly. She feels helpless in the situation. Let's be real. She cannot do anything for her relationship herself. And it's not as graphic, it's not as traumatizing, but she's watching herself almost as Derry B with this situation with her husband, because it's like, 
like how dare you like cheat like i what's the deal like what's going on she can't get him to communicate and it's because i think that she gets triggered she gets triggered her her relationship with her mom had always been uh, uh frail after that whole incident right um she moved the kids where were they living they were living somewhere totally different i want to say it was like either chicago or philly or somewhere oh manhattan sorry they were in manhattan so it's like that's a lot yeah it was kind of like city mouse country mouse yeah yes but man oh man um but you know that whole scene sets up kind of the whole movie there were a lot of things that'll be brought back up later in the movie Mm -hmm. um that all stem from that interaction yeah yeah this interaction pretty much dictates the flow of every other interaction in the film especially even between her and her daughter so we'll continue this one clip and then we'll go into the next you know if you don't want me to know about her you should have your laundry done elsewhere i don't wear perfume remember i'm allergic i am so tired of being lied to Don't worry, he didn't smack her. He threw his jacket down. My dog didn't say a word. Now, this is a sound of trains in the background. Uh, One of her daughters needs to go to sleep with train sounds. And I think, at first I thought it was because she had trouble sleeping. What I do is, I think that now she turns those trains on when she hears them screaming at each other to block out the noise. Because it happens so much. There's constant fighting between these two. It doesn't even have to be about him taking too long to, you know, to, uh, to come home from work. It could be about, you know, simple things. I think that they just don't see eye to eye. I don't know if they ever did. I don't know if they ever did. Um, luckily, um, the eldest daughter has a very strong connection with her father where she feels protected by him provided loved by him regardless he gets to be the hero he does and you know but sometimes they are i mean to their kids like yeah he can be a hero of a dad but i think she got to that age remember in a previous episode i think i said like as kids we think our parents are like perfect yeah and as we get older that's when we start noticing, like, no, they're human. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she was coming into that moment with her dad in this movie. Where you, where you bring him down from being a hero, and now he's more of a, a regular person? Yes. And and we see in this movie, too, mm. that, um, that Joyce did not want to do that for her daughter. Because she had a few times where she could have she done that. But even in, you know, trying to find her own way, she still kind of protected this image of their father to them. I got another thought in my head. Okay. Could part of that have been jealousy? What do you mean? If you notice in all the flashback scenes, no fathers. Deary B, uh, uh, Joyce, no fathers. And now she has two daughters, two sisters that just in size comparison are just like Deary B 
and Joyce. We can say that their ages are probably comparable. Yeah. And their relationship is close, the sisters. But the older sister, she's just, she has her own mind. And the young one, she still has about a year or so left of the world making up her mind for her. Yeah. And she sees that as innocence. It's that same innocence that she had around Derry B. Derry B had it too. But what I'm saying is her, you know, Joyce's innocence when during the flashbacks was due to her age. Whereas Derry B's was due to her personality at this time. Yeah. So to have two daughters, to have girls and her kind of wanting to even deep down relive that connection that she had with Deary and probably even seeing it with her daughters. They just automatically love this guy that I fight with every day that cheats on me every day. I'm pretty sure that, you know, is my villain, but a hero to them. Yeah. I'm kind of pissed about that. But I mean, I still see it as her wanting to keep that image of him for her daughters. Part of it. Yes. But I think that, yes, you're right. But I do think that she was trying to give him enough rope to hang himself too. Oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I definitely think that that's another layer to it. Yeah. Um. Because I think she knew that Lauren was going to be able to figure that out one day. Yeah. Same thing like um, Monica's father in Love and Basketball. Okay, yeah. And, you know, he wasn't a great husband, but he was number one dad to them. He was he was number one dad. So he was able to he was. He was able to, you know, just be him. God dang. <laughs> she loved these twizzes. He was he was able to come home and bring the pizza after a failed, you know, pot roast. He was able to, you know, come to all the basketball games. He was the hero. And she just had to take a back seat. And it's very ironic that it's always Alfre Riddard, Woodard that's in these positions. Yeah. Crooklyn, the same fucking thing. Yep. Husband, you know, he was always a day late and a dollar short. But, you know, he was able to be there and be the loving one and being the voice of balance in the house. And she was always there. So they were kind of used to her and they could manipulate her. But him, he was able to come home, lay the law down. She's penny pinching and he's able to come home with bags full of candy and yes. ice cream and cakes. And... Yes. Yes. But she, has she to is the pro. She is the Green Leather Sofa Couch Award <laughs> <laughs> for always being the, like, second best parent. <laughs> Because every movie we're picking with her, <laughs> this shit happens, right? Like second favorite. Second favorite, right? So the next morning, after all of this fighting, and, you know, she's still at this point thinking, okay, they were asleep. They didn't hear the bullshit again. They're still our innocent little girls. Well, listen to what the fuck you're about to hear from the eldest daughter to her mother. Good morning, Miss Davenport. Ah, thank you, John. Young ladies. Joyce! Why do you do that? Do what? Call me Joyce. It's your name, isn't it? Not to you. All right, Mother. I can't believe you're making me do this. You're ruining my entire summer. A few weeks ruins your entire summer? Mom, what about Daddy? Yes, I have tennis camp, and I'm supposed to go to Martha's Vineyard with Rachel. And you said I could go to Freaknik. I never said... Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Now, this girl 
this little girl, this minor, <laughs> 15 years old, 15 years old. And I don't want to hear, well, times were different then. There were no times that were different to put a 15 year old in the same freaking, you know, uh, place of degeneracy and sex and adultery and debauchery as a 35 year old man. Just like Uncle Luke. No, Uncle Luke was there. True. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like just like it, them niggas were there. And the stuff that she was wearing. Okay, here we go. Oh, the, Lord. the clothes that she was wearing in this film and she goes to Freak Nick. And she tells a guy that she's 18. How often do you think that happens? It probably happened a lot. Okay, okay. I'm going to let you chew. I'm going to let you chew. So I'm going to ask no, you this. I'm, I'm bracing myself because I know we have this conversation about clothing so often. No, we don't. It wasn't often enough. You, you're making it sound like I wake you up at 3 in the morning. Hey, can we talk about the clothing again? No, I don't do that shit, Last okay? Last week you did. <laughs> Last week you did. I mean, I, I didn't know it was 3 o'clock. But anyways, so here's my thing. Here is my thing. Is there such thing as someone being too grown? Mm-mm. There's no such thing as someone being too grown. If we're still talking about clothes and stuff, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, how do I phrase this? Phrase it. I think that was like I almost want to say it was a running joke in the '90s on TV shows and movies. Um, the teenagers have to ask their parents, "Can they go to Freak Nick?" Like you just have to. I mean, you mean you're talking about like sister sister, and you're talking about like Parker's. No, by the time sister sister went to Freak Nick, it was not even Freak Nick anymore. It was like Mickey Mouse Club and Freak Nick, mm-hmm. like join con join like world tours. <laughs> they were trying to rebrand it, hence uh, sister sister. But yeah, uh, Moesha would talk about going to Freak Nick all the time. Yeah. That doesn't mean she was going. She wanted to go. But I think that's a teenage thing to do, like to want to do these grown up things. Yes. And you make all these big plans with your friends and you never get anything approved by your parents. Listen, you and me wanted to do the same thing. I bet you a hundred dollars. We both wanted to go to MTV Cancun growing up. No, because I'm from what? Harlem and I was I was afraid. Um Afraid of wait what? But when spring blink came out okay spring bling i, I, I couldn't think bling. of the bet one mm-hmm. you wanted to go to spring bling too yes okay so i mean come on like i i, I remember being college age and then hearing dudes like be like man I'm, I'm finna go to spring bling this year man i'm like bro like we we 24 now man like what's why are you going down there mm-hmm. and they're like dog there's some holes out there. Yeah, they're like 17, dog. 16, 15, 14. That's pretty bling. You have to understand that they were they they had probably like B5 and fucking uh uh what's the um I still think you had to be like 17 to be able to go or have okay. like a school ID. Okay, 17. Fine, 17. That's still young. Yeah. That's still young. At the time, you don't feel like it. No. But okay, here's the other part to me at least. Back then, College kids looked way older, so you thought that they were older adults, but they're really young. Exactly my point. 
You're when I say, can you dress too grown? And then you're saying they looked older. I'm saying that sometimes what you wear makes you look older. Not intentionally though. Like these, I'm pretty sure that the people in the nineties or the two thousands or whatever, who were 17 to maybe 21, they didn't intend to look like they were 45. All right, I'm going to say something. Like some little 16, 15 year olds. I'm going to say something, and I don't want to come off as offensive. Oh, Lord. So please don't take offense to it. It's going to be something offensive, I'm sure. I mean, no, I don't think it's offensive. I just think it's like, you're going to be like, ew. What I'm saying is like, if you were wearing a 4X t-shirt, that's very different than you wearing a a tube top. I'm sorry. But. You will be viewed in two totally different lanes from a man. Is what I'm saying. wearing a tube top? Yes. As opposed to a 4X t-shirt? Yes. I think this is because you have a daughter, honestly. It's not because I have a daughter. What are you talking about? Because I don't think that, like, little girls wear tube tops. Or, like, back then, it was like a regular... I'm not saying that a four-year-old can look grown in a tube tube top. That... Okay. Just like little, like little kids can wear like, you know, like little shorts, like, you know, like little like gym shorts or whatever like that. Mm-hmm. That's different from a 17, a 16, 17, you know, almost, you know, fully formed teenager wearing short shorts and a tube top. That's di- very different from a four year old wearing a tube top and shorts. That's different. Okay. And you won't look at a four year old as being too grown. But you'll definitely look at that 16 or 17 year old as like, you, you dress a little too grown. But but here's the thing. This is what I'm saying. Yeah. For a lot of girls in that age group, it's mm-hmm. not like they're not putting on the outfit to get anybody's attention. Right. I'm not going to say that it's not anybody doing this. Right. Right. But these are teenage girls and they just want to wear the outfit because they think it's cute. Not necessarily to get somebody's attention. Now, is that a, a possible byproduct of it? Yes. But it's not always to be more mature than they are. Like, these teenage girls, they, they still have the mindset of little girls, just like we just saw in the movie, where Derry B, she had the mindset of a little girl, but she was a little more developed, so she is drawing that attention. But it's not because of something that she's intentionally doing. And I'm going to make another point about that. And it's going to be a fucked up point. So I'm going to have to do another disclaimer. But what I'm saying is about Lauren. She was trying to be grown. She got the little navel tattoo. She wanted to show it off. She wanted to show off, you know, her body. Yes. But those are the outfits that teenage girls were wearing. Yes, it it is. But she was also very boy hungry, though. She was. Like any other teenage girl. Okay. You're saying every every, every freaking teenage girl is doing this. And I'm saying, I'm telling you that it's never taught. On a wide scale, the way that we're supposed to understand that, you know, girl, teenage girls just do this, they also need to be taught on that same scale that if everyone, if all of you are doing this, and if boys, allegedly, if our flaw is not just talking back to our moms, but it's being sexually active, it's being sexually aroused by the sight, the visual of girls, then you need to start protecting that portion of it. Nah, you need to teach your boys, and I'm saying this as a boy mom. But, but you can't say that because you don't reason why you can't say that. And there's two reasons. One, because you can't teach your girl that her hormones are going to make her disrespectful towards you. And you can't you when you hit your sexual peak, because we hit ours during those times when you hit your sexual peaks, when women hit theirs, it's a totally different story. Mm-hmm. It's a very totally different story than everything that they've experienced prior to that. 
because they realize they want sex. They want the raw, you know, you know, just a, you know, uh, um, just a, they want the satisfaction. They want the satisfaction. You tell, you try telling a grown woman during her sexual peak that she's not going to get any satisfaction from now on. Let's talk about before the toys, before the toys took over. Oh, well, it sounds like you're going in a different direction than what I was saying. Like, oh, okay. Okay. No, I know that, I know that boys, their hormones are literally telling them like, you must have sex. You must have sex. Yeah. I get that part. Right. However, I feel like you have to prep your boys leading up to that point so yes. that they know how to respect other people's boundaries. No, I understand. So that. It yeah, shouldn't, yeah, yeah. So it shouldn't matter that she's wearing this outfit because a lot of times in, as somebody who's in the schools too, a lot of times these girls just want to wear stuff, not always to get a boy's attention. For some girls, like getting a boy's attention based off of something that you have on is everything. Is no, it's the worst thing that could happen. Like you just want what? You're in an awkward place. So okay. yes, you have some kids who are at the almost done end of puberty. Okay. But in high school, you still also have some kids who are still in the middle. Yeah. And they're trying to fit in because, say, for example, it's a girl like me. You have a bunch of friends who are little boys. Mm -hmm. And when you're 10 and 11, you can just blend in with them. You remember, uh, what's the name of that uh, brand? It was some brand that used to be at all the outlet stores and it had dogs on it. And they were all puns with dogs. I can't think of the name of it. But it was like a big store in the 90s. Not like Spencer. No, it wasn't Spencer's. But somebody out there listening knows what I'm talking about. I can't think of the name of the store, but all of their shirts had these dogs on it. And they used to, like, spoof TV shows and movies and stuff. Mm, mm. So, like, instead of Frasier, like, the shirt said Frasier. <laughs> and then I had, I remember I had one fifth grade around this time, and it said Tiger Wolf. All right, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> I don't ever want to hear you say a word about my fashion ever again in life. But this was in the in the nineties. Nah, this was like this was still in. <laughs> so I had a shirt and it said Tiger Wolf on it, <laughs> and you know I was dressed like a little boy, just with ponytails and the butterfly clips. But I was dressed like a little boy, a little Lisa Frank clip. Right. So imagine I get to middle school and, well, actually fifth grade, I start hitting puberty hard, and you know. Development starts. But I'm still able to camouflage it because I'm wearing these baggy-ass clothes. Get to middle school and the style starts switching up. And things get a little bit more form-fitting. It was awkward because instead of my guy friends just being like, you know, hey, you got the new uh, Pokemon car pack that came out, blah, blah, blah. Instead of talking about that, they want to talk about my booty. And I'm like, I don't You think it was hard for you? Man... I, I hated it. I we hated the ones it. that had to, man, them boys were the ones that had to deal with you. And then, and, and, and you were one of the fellas, man. All right. So I'm, I'm about to get serious. I'm about to get serious now, uh -oh, too. Uh oh. So I remember telling my mom this, too. Um, but back in middle hey, school. Hey, Mama Ty. Back in middle school, uh, that was my first experience with like sexual harassment. Ooh. And I didn't even know what it was called back then. I ended up Sexual getting harassment. I mean, <laughs> you're talking about, I think I was 10 because I started school early and everybody else was like 11 around me in sixth grade. Uh -huh. 
so I was still 10. And I didn't have a word for sexual harassment at that point. Uh-huh. Uh, but I remember going to class, in music class, and there was a young dude who sat next to me. And when I would come in class, he would have his hand on the seat so that he can grab my butt when I sat down. And I asked him to not do that. Every single day, I asked him to not do that. And then I was afraid that I was going to get in trouble for letting somebody touch my butt. So I didn't really tell the teacher. I just asked the teacher, could he move my seat? And he did. He moved my seat. And this boy still found his way next to me before the class started. Okay, <laughs> squeeze my butt. And then he started doing it in the hallway when he would see me. So one day we have our little code of conduct assembly. Oh, shit. And our school was kind of, you know, high tech for the time. We had TVs in the classrooms and they would stream the, uh, like whatever announcements it was. So we had our little virtual assembly in our classrooms and everything. We're watching it. And I'm like, and if you have been sexually harassed, you can tell your guidance counselor. Mm. And then they told us the consequences of sexual harassment. So I remember looking at him. Mm. And I was like, if you want in-school suspension, go ahead and get in-school suspension. I was like, if you touch my butt again, I'm going to tell him that you're sexually harassed. Listen, listen. (laughs) And he didn't mess with me anymore after that. And you know what? I'm glad that happened because you were able to arm yourself just by saying that. No, no, I'm glad that you went to that that assembly. I know what you meant. Okay, what you meant. Yeah, I'm glad that you went to that assembly because, like, okay, real talk. I was, you know, dropping my my daughter off on um, Sunday, and this is now the second time she told me about this little girl in her class. She's in first grade, and she's like, "There's this girl. Her name is Hannah, and she keeps on tickling me, and I don't like to be tickled." I hate being tickled. And I said, you know what, Daddy like hates to be tickled too. Like it drives me crazy. So we like had a laugh about it. But then I said, Are you telling her not to tickle you because you don't like that? And she's like, Yeah, I tell her all the time. And and, and I told my teacher, and my teacher said that you know she would tell her not to do it, and she did it again. I said, Okay. Next time she does this, you have to really pull her to the side and say, Don't do this anymore. I don't like it, and I'm going to make sure you get in trouble. Don't say you're going to tell the teacher. Just say you make sure you're going to get her in trouble if she does it again. Now, we'll see you next time I speak to her. If, you know, anything has changed, they only got a few days left. But you pretty much have to, like, kind of bring the consequence to the full front. Yeah. Because otherwise, like, like these boys are running out of reasons to be scared of shit. They are. Um... So luckily, and I'm happy you. you did use that example too because that's a little girl in that situation. Yeah. So, it when it comes to boundaries and teaching your kids boundaries, it can also be same sex. Yeah. Yeah. And as this, you know, as this movie shows us, it can also be other kids. It could be other kids. It mm-hmm. could be other kids, and you know, we wanted to touch on the fact that like this kid was a protected kid in the in the community. Yeah. He was a preacher's kid. He was the preacher's kid. Uh, you know the church scene was very big in this in this film because it kind of binds everybody's uh, behaviors. It it confines a lot of things. It's, it it holds a lot of secrets um, because they need to protect the church, and the church is supposed to be for the greater good. Yeah. But when you have a preacher's kid, they were all in church for hours at this point. 
And he's strolling down the street with his boys, and they're clearly drunk already. Yeah. Like, imagine you, you're a preacher's kid. Could you miss the start of church? No. No. And this kid was out and about. And he was the big troublemaker everyone knew he was. And then in a small town, too, yeah. I could just see a church, a preacher's kid having to go to the church early to help set things up yep. and make sure things are tidy and in order. Now, let me ask you a question. Luckily, because you haven't had to deal with this, you know, they're past the development ages and stuff. But imagine being a mother to an evil kid. Like his mom was. <laughs> okay. I was like, depending on who you ask, they might say I am. But <laughs> my, my kid's not No, I'm talking evil. legit. I'm talking yeah. legit evil. Like she knew that he was evil. Oh, man. Um, wow. I don't think that gets talked about enough. I, I, I find that. And, you know, we see this on like Dr. Phil and things like that, where they finally are face to face with like someone that has to tell their story. Or even Maury, where these kids are like, yeah, I had sex at 12 and, you know, I stole a Walkman and, you know, I sat neck and skull. Like, or if I was the mom of the Catch Me Outside girl. Yeah, yeah, things gosh. like that. And she's like, she's she's kind of, she's dialed it down, but she has her problems. But, yeah, it's like. I, if I dealt with that situation from the movie and that was my kid. This uh, Pretend this is your son accused of grape. The fruit, without the G, of a of a young girl in the community, part of the church. I wouldn't be worried about the church. Okay. Um, and I'm not just saying that like as a woman, but also as a Christian. Mm-hmm. Like You would have thought that, you know, the church like kind of The church will be okay. Like somebody else is going to come into this role and take over for the church. Like it doesn't need to be my family. Okay. And the church reputation shouldn't be harmed because of what my child did. Right. So I would want my spouse to remove themselves. It's going to suck. Mm. But I, I would feel like, no, we're not at a, like, if we can't, if we, if we're dealing with the fact that our kid did this to somebody else and like your home is supposed to be your first ministry, then we don't need to be the first family of this church. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would have been way more remorseful to that family than the pastor's wife was. And you notice something, right? He sent his wife to deal with Ethel B and Brenda. He was not there. Oh, you're talking about the pastor? Yes. Yes. I, did, I didn't room. notice that. I did not notice that. That, to me, there should have been no voice in that room bigger than his. He, he These are all members there. of his church, and he should have exactly. been like, listen, this, what, what you guys are telling me right now, I'm going to handle this. That's how I know that that's a weak church. That's a weak-ass fucking pastor, and these people will blindly like, follow. Uh, uh, baby, um, I need you to do me something. Exactly. Exactly. Because it's not like, you know, it, well, it's not like they were going to automatically like fire him. I think that even if he turned in his own son, he is further proving his convictions in the, mm -hmm. in the, in the, in the, uh, in the like light of the Lord. Wrong, he has to go away. Right. Because I mean, the pastor didn't do anything wrong. He's not the one who did that to her. Right. The wife didn't do it. Yeah. It's this kid. 
And you know, you can't be you can't be at the top of the church and not be able to say, "Listen, I stood at the greatest like decision of my life and I still had to take the right way." And you know, it's funny that we're having this conversation because the main character of Kingdom Business kind of had this moment too. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give it away. Um, the show's still kind of new, mm-hmm. so no spoilers. But one of the main characters of this show had to uh, come to this decision for himself too. Mm. Like that crossroads of, do I protect myself yeah. or do, you know. Ah, oh, man. And they choose the church. And how many times do people choose the church over what's right and what's wrong? Mm-hmm. Too many times. And this is the same church where that guy probably promised all of those maids and all those, you know, former hussies that are just lonely, bitter women now. Listen, you keep coming here, you keep paying them tithes, and you're going to get that man you want. You're going to get him. You're going to get him. You just stay here and you believe in me. You're going to get him. That's the type of shit that goes on. I'm telling you, I, I it's, man, it's such a it's a it's a treacherous place. But unfortunately, Dury B's mom at the time decides to break away from the church, and she was a high ranked, you know, zealot level usher. But I don't think that she broke away from the church. If you caught it at the end, okay. I don't think she broke away from the church. I think that she broke away from her uh, sister. Not even the sister, but like the usher board. Like they sat in the back of the church. Or maybe, well, you know what? Maybe I'm taking it the wrong way because mm-hmm. there was a comment made at the funeral where she was just like, oh, Aunt Ethel never had a problem with the church. She had a problem with you. Right, right. So I wonder if it was. She, it's because she left. That was the last voice that, that, that came to her during the uh the the um the serve the um the discussion here's what i'm thinking happened okay i think the reverend died on the young side okay like while he was still pretty young and they got another pastor in at the church okay and it went in, and then the church went in, in a new direction yeah so i think she still ended up going to the church because i'm thinking realistically about christian people sure there were other churches in the area Mm-hmm. But you're mad at this particular group of people within the church. Right. Okay. Not the whole church. So yeah. I think she probably still went there and just kept her boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, like our generation, that's the old generation. Yeah. Where, you know, you didn't do anything wrong. So you're going to hold your head high, your head high in church. Yeah. Like you didn't do anything. Okay. But you want everybody to know that these people wronged you. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's how the old people do it. Um, I think for our generation, something like that happens, and the church is trying to brush it under a rug. Yeah, you're not going back to that church. Okay. So let me ask you this: Are you surprised that Dairy B was still so committed to her faith and to the and to God and speaking to God the way she does? She speaks to God like she's on the telephone. Yeah. Like. But I oh like Lord, I got like a secret to really tell special. you today, Lord. I got to tell you about this. Like, she's like, she has, like, I hear people having, like, I hear that people pray every night, but she legit has conversations. But I think that people who pray like that have the most genuine prayers. I do. I do. I feel like, honestly, it, it was, it was something, even though she did it like almost ignorantly loud because she's used to being alone, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but 
just hearing what she had to talk about, man, if I was if I was Joyce, I would have I would have been crying hearing mm -hmm. this. Just just the genuine like spirit of someone, you know, opening up their innermost thoughts to God out loud. Uh, and the way she did it and she she, you know, included even her mom who we can we can pretty much assume that she pretty much mentally checked out from that moment. Yeah. Like she wasn't the same woman anymore after that day that she that that uh Derry B got harmed. Yeah. It, you know, I can really assume that how we see her struggling to communicate with her as an adult is the way she was from that point. And you know, like even the conversation with her sister, it adds that layer of how how gut wrenching gut wrenching it must have been to like really be at odds with your sister. Yeah. Because you know that she trusted you to take care of her daughter. Yeah. And then she just had the argument with you about letting her go um up north. Um, letting her go up north so that she can be at so called better schools. Yeah. And then for this to happen in this town where you left her. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you, how are you able to say like, oh, she'll be great here, but this just happened here. Okay. So, so them being at odds and not speaking to each other, it's, it's hard. But I mean, at the, at the back of your mind, you have to understand. I have been so enthralled by these what if type of stories and questions, um, lately, Sometimes I'll listen back to some of our episodes and I will say to myself, I'll say to myself, like, sometimes when I, when I, when I listen back to even our conversation, I'm, um, I sound like I, I can't even think about what I'm saying, but every time I listen back to our conversations, mm -hmm. I sometimes think of questions that I wish I could have asked. So here's Here's that question now. What if Derry B's mom said, okay, you can have her. Take her to this better school. And they were raised as sisters. Right. How different would Derry B life, life had been? What direction, what path? Because now she doesn't have that, you know, that outlet with the vegetables and selling them in jars and food and things of that nature. She doesn't have that connection. She's going to be in, in Manhattan. She's going to be in the city life. So what would be... What would be her thing? Chew up the organ before I answer okay. that question. Okay, hold on, man. Let me get you. I, you, you know I got the organ. Sometimes, and I think we're doing better with it now, but sometimes we measure intelligence by the wrong things. Yes. I think. Most of the times, I think. And I think that they were just measuring Deary B's book smarts. Okay. And not really taking into consideration the other intelligence she had. Like, emotional intelligence is so taken for granted. It is. It's probably the least admired intelligence that one can have. And it's one that you're either born with or you're not. Mm-hmm. And like you said, like, she knows all this stuff about gardening. Yeah. Um, She knows how to can. Yeah. And she... People like to call it old-fashioned, but those are skills that are really valuable. Remember that post that somebody made uh, last week? 
was talking about zombie apocalypse uh, team. Vaguely, yeah. And you can only be a part of it if you have a skill. skills, skills uh, that actually, skill. yeah. And I said I was going to be a storyteller. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, she actually knows how to do things that are valuable. Right. I'm glad you brought that up. That was my that was my favorite project in all of my sociology courses and in, in, in college where we had to do the island test and we had to pick from like 26 people that crashed on a plane, 26 survivors out of like a hundred, 110 or something like that. And, you know, we went down like the profiles of each person, like this one, she's a 56 year old nurse, registered nurse for 30 years. Then you got, you know, a young doctor, uh, first year med school. Then we got, you know, or a residency. Then we got like, uh, you know, 37 year old Latino, uh, um, he's been arrested for, you know, burglary and grand theft 12 times, mm-hmm. but he's a bodybuilder. And you know, like it goes down the line and it adds these different caveats and no one was willing to sacrifice the kids or the old people mm-hmm. or, you know, yeah, she's a nurse, but she has stage three cancer and wherever her destination was, was going to be where she was planning to die. But she has the medical knowledge. Like you had to pick who mm-hmm. was going to get the food basically yeah. and who was going to starve. And in these situations, you're, you're gauging people based on their abilities. There are eight different, you know, intelligences, if I'm not mistaken. So for I think example, it's like one extra one or eight or nine or something like that. Beyonce is not a smart person, but she does some smart shit. And she's talented. Why is she not? Beyonce not smart? But Beyonce is the, like, she's the going, like, she's like, I don't know why I always think, every time we get on the mic, I think about Beyonce. I look at you and I think about Beyonce. Thank you. You see that? You're thanking, you're you're saying thank you. You're not saying, man, you calling me dumb? Like, you see, because you understand what she brings to the table. LeBron, he's not the smartest guy. He can't even spell right. But he does smart fucking shit. Have you seen his tweets? You better give us free. Like, no, nigga. Like, well, you need to let your PR team fucking speak for you, nigga. Like, don't don't tweet us, nigga. <laughs> I didn't mean to roast any celebrities. No, we're not today. roasting. I mean, but he knows he misspells shit. Just like 50 Cent. 50 Cent misspells shit all the time. That nigga, that, you know that nigga can't read. So, you know, but they have different intelligences. Uh-huh. You know, Bruce Lee has a mastery genius level intellect of kinetic you know fucking intelligence he's a fighter you know um you got people that are culinary intelligent you know you got people that are you know like there's just so many different ways to measure this is what i'm saying and with people with dopeness like me right anyway so you got people like Deary B who has never had a chance to to step outside of her childhood role until her sister never came back and she had to grow up a little bit. She didn't grow up too much, but she grew up a little bit. She would do small things like keep the house in the same way it was when she was a kid because it was mm-hmm. familiar to her. Yep. The swing that she sits on every day, she kept raising it up so her feet would never touch the floor because she always wants to feel like a little girl. You know, the way she talks to her adults, like she has so much respect for adults mm-hmm. where she's still like that little girl with pigtails. She never wants that to end. She doesn't think it has to. Even when she's talking to the guy, the, the grave digger. I didn't even catch his name. 
but she looks like a little girl dancing with her father. Mm-hmm. She felt at home with Gail. Yeah. If you notice that. Yeah. Exactly. Gail, Gail kind of gives off that same innocence, but it's just because she's young. Mm-hmm. In a couple years, she'll be a hussy like her sister. Come on, you know, you know, you know what's up. You know what's up. You know what's up. She's going to pass down those press-on fucking tattoos to her. Mm-mm. Yeah. This is the first thing we're talking about with Kawana, but her character on Kingdom Business is a stripper from Juvie. Ooh. <laughs> um, And that's all I can say without giving out any other spoilers. Man. Now that I think about it. I might have to look this You up. might have to. Hold on, man. Let me get to clicking. Keep but on no, talking. But no, I don't think Gail would be a... What'd you call her? Hussy? She wouldn't be a hussy. She wouldn't... Why, why do y'all always think y'all can save people from being a hussy? I know hussies when I see them. Oh, she's fine too. Oh, Lord, she's fine. Hold up. I thought I showed you her picture like nah. last week when we were recording. And no. I said we need to watch Kingdom Business. Nah, you ain't showing me shit. And I showed you like a picture of her and uh-uh. I think Tamar. No. Okay. I like this. Okay. Um, hmm. Brandon's always looking people up. I got to. For the most part, it's just the women. It's no. I mean, hey, I'm, what, what, what the hell? I look like looking up niggas. <laughs> I'm just saying, like sometimes we want to know the backstories of what other people have been in besides just women. No, um, <laughs> Brandon is trying to understand what I'm saying to him, and oh. he's failing miserably. Okay, my bad. <laughs> Yeah, there was like a big click. Oh, oh when I hit that? Yes. Oh, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to tell you that's not what I was saying. What were you saying? I'll tell you later. Okay. But it, <laughs> but anyway, um, let's let's jump around a little bit. L- let's, because I don't even know what the fuck's going on. <laughs> Go ahead. Um... So we talked about church hurt. We've talked about their sisterhood, sort of. Yeah. Sister, the sisterhood, yeah. Okay, and then, I mean, we haven't even brought up the man's name that we really need to talk about. We're talking about Troy. We're talking about T. Kelly. Oh, sucky, sucky now. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. He pissed me off this whole movie. The whole movie. There were, is there any redeeming factor for Troy? No. None. No. Do you think he's respectful towards his mother? No. You don't think so? Uh uh-uh. uh. You think she's afraid of him? Yes. Wow. And did they say how the father died? Nope, just that he did. And uh, Troy was in Chicago up until that time. He was in Juvie or something? He was living with the brother. Remember in the flashback scene, she said, I have a brother in Chicago, and he can go and live there, and I promise um, you'll never have to see his face again. Right, right, right. But that was a lie. (laughs) Stop the cat. (laughs) Oh, that was a lie, man. 
I missed it. I missed it. I missed it. I missed it, man. I'm sorry. Here we go, man. Here we go for you. Stop the cap. Okay. Um, but I think that was always meant to be a lie. As much as she loved her son, she was not gonna be without him. I think she was hoping that the other people died first. <laughs> all I we gotta do is money. get rid of Derry B. We'll be alright. <laughs> you come back down here next week, baby. <laughs> but no, for real, for real. Um, or she thought like because she gave him some level of redemption mm-hmm. that everybody else was supposed to just forgive and forget. Mm-hmm. No, you said I never have to see his face again. Like, man, you better tell him to walk around with a brown paper bag on his head or something. But let's be real. If she didn't reveal where she got the sofa, they never would have crossed paths. She wouldn't have seen him. Right. But that's because Derry B made the choice after finding out that he was there. Right. To take the long way. Right. She shouldn't have had to do that. Oh, wait. Yeah, she did know that he was in town. Yes. I'm thinking that she didn't even know he was in town until that moment, but she... No. Okay, yeah, no, yeah. She That's knew. right. That's right. Because it's a small town and everyone knows Troy or T. Kelly. I like to call Yeah, somebody... Him. Listen, you see this small town yeah, where yeah. the same black people come outside every time something happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Honestly, like, every, every, every morning I used to drive to work, I would see the same people, you know, walking down the sidewalk every morning. I would see the same kids walking to the bus stop. We see the same people walking their dogs. Like it was like clockwork. As soon as like that's some big that's some big T for a small town. Yeah, yeah. Troy Troy's coming back to town. Y'all tell Dairy B. Yeah. Now here's the thing. Why do you think Dairy B was so regard highly regarded in the community that everyone in the community had to like kind of like take her in for her whole life, basically? These are people that have been there her entire life. Like what what do you think like it was like a just a a everybody citywide was keeping, sympathy. Everybody was keeping the secret. But exactly. Everybody it's, in that town. It's like the hills mama. have eyes. It's like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on here? Like everyone is just like protective. Like, like, no, not even, not even about what happened to Derry B. But I mean, like everybody knew who her mama was. Was her mama that tough though? Hmm? Her mama wasn't tough. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm saying people knew that Brenda was her mother. Oh, okay. They had to have known that. Oh, you mean like the secret secret? Yes. Oh, I don't think anyone like, knew that. The midwife delivered her from Brenda. Yeah. So the, the midwife knew, and Brenda used to live there. So you mean to tell me you don't see this girl waddling around pregnant, and then all of a sudden, the no older kid. sister, the older sister has a baby. Okay. You know what? I never fucking thought of that. And Everybody that could be was real. keeping a secret because they're like, she can't handle so, knowing. Basically, this, so, so we're keeping a secret. Everyone babied her. Every, the whole entire world that she lives in babied her. So is she a baby because she's a baby or is she a baby because everyone made her a baby? I think that Derry B's mom, Ethel B, mm-hmm. was kind of progressive in her treatment of a daughter who came across as having special needs. Mm. Because we hear a lot of in that time when some kids were like a little bit behind, had learning delays, speech delays, social delays, whatever. They weren't treated the best. Right. Like this is the same time frame in which Dorothy Dandridge, I mean, she didn't want to do it, but she was pretty much pushed to the point where she had to put her daughter in the institution. Mm. So this is that era, just a small town yeah. where it might not have been feasible to send her away or Ethel B was just like, 
no, she's going to, like, we have the means to take care of her, so we're going to take care of her. Okay. And I think because of who Ethel B was, and, you know, she was kind of tough. Mm-hmm. Everybody knew, like, all right, so this is her child, and we are going to do what we need to do in order to take care of this child, too, as a community. Because this is in a time where, you know, people still did the village thing yeah, based off of yeah. proximity and not so much actual relationship. Yeah. And you see how all those other people she would give her uh, fruits and vegetables to? Mm-hmm. They all just knew her. I know that these are people who looked out for her when she was younger. Yeah. And maybe, maybe the reason why, hmm, I'm gonna try. To, I'm gonna try to bail these people out from from swindling her. Mm-hmm. But maybe she needs routines. You, if you notice that sometimes people oh, like her, yes. they need to stay within routines. And if they were buying stuff from her when she was a little girl, she's not accounting for inflation. She's not accounting for the times changing, money changing hands, and the things of that nature. The price is the so price. The price is the price to her. She wants just that price. She's happy That's with that a good price. Point. So, you know, she's okay with it because they've never cheated her. They're just giving her the same price that they've always given her. And you can tell from that conversation she had with Joyce, too, that, like, she had never thought about how much she actually spends, like, Mm -hmm. her expenses and maybe trying to recoup some of that. Right. She wasn't thinking about that. She's not thinking about that. She's not thinking about having to buy the jars, you know, uh, take the time to cultivate a, a proper soil or... To have enough gas to get in and out of town to go to different food and and fruit and vegetable stops. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, these are all things that, you know, have only gotten to be more expensive. I mean, she she obviously has a big ass house with no AC. So, you know, like there's certain things as this is my hobby and this is the fruit of my hobby. I want to share it with my community. There you go. It's a very noble take, you know, and it's something that not everybody can do, not even able-bodied or quote-unquote or like even like very neurotypical neurotypical but not even that but i'm saying that like to even take that type of i'm not thinking about my community i'm thinking about my family and how long i can provide for them i can't think about anything else until i get to a point yeah maybe Mm -hmm. then i can help other people but right now, right, I'm just worried about my bills, my kids, and or at least breaking even for right. what you spent. Right, because I mean, there are people who they do hobbies, yeah, because they love it, but they know that they can make a small profit, so they're just looking to break even. Right, right, right. But that ain't everybody. <laughs> Not everybody. <laughs> and Derry B is a very special uh, person. Um, like I said uh, while we were watching it, um. This was a very touching Loretta Divine portrayal. Um, I think it's one of her best performances, and it's probably the only one I can think of that in which she's not um, someone's mama. <laughs> she's a forever mama. Um, <laughs> well, she could be pregnant the way she was huffing and puffing every time <laughs> she had to talk. It's it's just it's it's Loretta Divine's like way of talking or something, man. She's always out of breath. Look at any guys. Look at any. Loretta Divine movie. She's out of breath every time she talks. It's like that excited out of breath. Like she's so excited. She's that so excited. She's to not talk. breathing. <laughs> and then she she catches her breath and you know. It's, nah, <laughs> it's like I said, like honestly, it's it's she talks from her diaphragm. And I think that her diaphragm is so fucking strong. I think it's like it was strong in this movie. It was <laughs> man, her diaphragm is like it has a bicep on it. Like it's fucking it's it's strong, 
with a K. Oh. So I think that she's constantly talking from her diaphragm. And it's just like, you don't get that much like wind, that much gusto on it. So it tires you out. Like think about like how you, when you start hiccuping, it's because your, your, your diaphragm oh, is convulsing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think that's what happens. Maybe she talks in like a natural, like exacerbated, like hiccup. Maybe she's been hiccuping her whole life. I don't know. It could be. Loretta Divine is very special. But let me tell you, one of my favorite scenes from this movie <laughs> is the graveyard scene. Why? Because <laughs> she has the conversation with her father. And I'm like, how did you just decide? <laughs> oh, how did you decide that it was your fault that mama wants to go? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's... I got a bone to pick with you. <laughs> He's a ghost. <laughs> Honestly, okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing about people that talk to God the way she talks to God. Oh, man. She honestly thinks that he'd be talking back. Like, as a human being. Like, God is some snitch. Like, listen, your daddy told me that he wants your mama to die. Look, <laughs> it wasn't me, okay? I tried to do it. I couldn't do it. I love you, dearie. But you need to talk to your boy. You need to talk to your old boy. God ain't a snitch like that. <laughs> so she goes, she, she went go, like he told her, though. Yeah, she goes marching up there, man. And I she had to hide. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and daddy, daddy. But I'm like, Listen, you have a cemetery full of dead people that you know. You just explained this to Gail. <laughs> like five other niggas just rolled over. They're like, huh? <laughs> what I do now? <laughs> but but your dad is the one asking for your mom. <laughs> like, 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 <laughs> was that nigga that great of a nigga to just be able to call someone's name from from, <laughs> from the grave? All right, all right. I'm going I'm to take him, John. I, I, I got her. For her, no, <laughs> keep her. <laughs> her and that ragged ass wig. <laughs> Don't bring her up here, Lord. Don't. Man, that scene takes me out. And then like, men don't like no daisies. <laughs> oh my God! I was about to say that. It was like, what flowers are appropriate for a man's grave? Any to me, you could bring any flower. Okay, so what's wrong with daisies? I think she wanted something to say to be mad. She's like, who the... Like you said, routines. Yeah, yeah. But what and, was... What, but what flowers would she bring? Wait, wasn't she carrying flowers? To give to him? I can't remember. I think I think the girl... I think uh, Gail was carrying the flowers as she was marching up after. Yeah. So she replaced the daisies with the roses. Mm-hmm. And those roses were, were, were born from her afterbirth, right? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, we, we kind of glossed over this, but the um, the birthing mother, not not the birthing mother. The, um, the midwife. The midwife. Same thing. <laughs> <laughs> the mother of birth. Um, <laughs> she she delivered Deary B as a child. Thus, she knew the secret, the big secret of the film in which Deary B and, you know, Joyce, Joyce May, what's her mm-hmm. name? And Joyce May were actually siblings, not cousins, right? She knew that all along and kept it to protect the family, to protect everything that was going on. But she would keep the afterbirth of each of these children that she helped deliver. And she would plant a garden or a flower based on that afterbirth. And I like to say it a lot like how Strong J says it in, in Boomerang. Afterbirth. That's what I think about it. Every time I think about like afterbirth being delivered, I always think about Strong J just coming out of someone's now vagina. I- like her head just popping birth, out. I think about uh, just another girl in the IRT. Exactly what I thought about. 
I literally thought about the baby popping out and then Strong J's head popping out, like mm-hmm. after birth, like gelatin shaped Strong J. <laughs> Strong J was ugly as fuck. She oh looks like gosh. afterbirth. Anyways, so she grows these these different flowers based on the afterbirth of these different people, and she, Deary B, wear roses. Now, do you think that's symbolic that she became a rose? Her afterbirth? I think she did all of theirs in roses. Oh, but, fuck, man. You know, I wanted colors. to get deep. I wanted to fucking no, get but deep. She, she, but she's a red rose. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it was interesting in that moment because I'm just like, if you delivered Dairy B, did you also deliver Joyce? Because Joyce was born down there. Good question. So when you're pointing out Dairy B's roses. Why didn't you point out Joyce's? Yep. Very, very good take. That is okay. Okay, I can see that. I can see that. Um, now, we could also say that Joyce's mom was probably, like, so traumatized from that situation that she want to go back and further, you know, humiliate herself in front of the same birth mother. Or, what do you call them? Midwife. Midwife. But I don't think... Th- it just seems like down there, that type of thing wasn't going to be shunned. Mm. Like, I mean, obviously not. Everyone kept a secret. Yeah. So, I mean, it is what it is. Um, but Troy was allowed to come back into the city and wreak havoc on Derry B and the family. It's like P. Diddy and the family. Like Derry B and the family, right? And still, no one was going to really step in. And not even when he approached them after the um, the dinner. Mm-hmm. The grave digger dude with the daisies, he still wasn't, he wasn't like trying to protect his girl. Man, you know, that pissed me off too. Dr. Charles or whatever his name is, he wasn't trying to protect nobody. When the husband came up, like, what's with these dudes? These dudes were soft. These niggas were soft. Like, I know what this nigga is when he pulls up, like, he's your husband. Yeah, but like, you've been telling me about this nigga for about two, three weeks now. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, we be fucking, and then you be talking about how this dude be treating you. This dude pulls up, and you introduce yourself. You just always have to assume that people are hooking up. They were fucking. You're not going to get that hook. You're not going to be like, oh, you didn't call me in two days. But this is a good segue, because I was about to bring the conversation to this anyway. Hey. She annoyed me by letting him continuously, and I'm talking about her interactions with Thomas Holder continuously allowing him to overstep the boundaries that she set. She is, I didn't think she set boundaries. What boundaries? She did, but I mean, clearly she didn't really want to enforce them because we shouldn't be doing this. Okay, but you knew that after you went to dinner with him. That was supposed to be a, an innocent dinner. And after then he, bath. he made his intentions <laughs> known. Yeah. And you still met up to go strolling on the, um, on the path. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, we shouldn't do this. Ooh. Then you shouldn't have gone. You knew that, though. Yep. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And and listen, I get that he cheated on you, mm-hmm. right? And people, what what do you say? People try to get their what lick back. Is, mm-hmm. that, is that how you say it? Trying to get that lick back. So, oh gosh. <laughs> but listen, I get that that might have been her goal. Mm. However, that was not apparent to be her goal. When she first went down south, it was to clear her mind. 
it was to clear her mind, but we all know that there's only one way to no, clear no, your mind in a situation but what like I'm that. Saying is, what I'm saying is, like, she wasn't, she wasn't sure that she was ready to leave Daniel yet. So that's what I'm saying. Like, if you weren't sure, then Listen, don't don't play that game. You leave with my kids. You left. Don't play that game with me. And and that was one no, of the I'm things. Not, I'm not even saying that, but I'm just I'm talking about the doctor. Like you oh. know that you're not sure if you want to leave um, Daniel. Don't play that game. But at the same time, mm-hmm. when she would say it without any conviction, it's like he can read that. Yeah. Like you say no, but it's like everything no. else you're doing. Yeah. Like let your yeah. no be a a solid no. This is like listen. And she she take didn't me do home. that. Yeah, she didn't. She always left the door open. And honestly, like okay, after the first dinner, he made it very clear. Listen, I still look at you like I did when I was 10 years old. I still have feelings for you. Mm-hmm. I'm taking this a certain way. This is a nice dinner. You're not just some like regular chick. I want, I want them guts. And they weren't that big. But... He wanted something. He wanted something. And she knew that he wanted something. She wasn't oblivious to it, but she kept putting herself in situations where she could be seen canoodling with him, kissing him, holding him. Like, that is so irresponsible. It's like that um, John Legend song back in the day. Why you bring that nigga up? Um, he, he don't gotta know or whatever it was called. Man, that nigga. He was like Cornwall. going to another city. She probably felt like I'm in a different city. Um, where not too many people know me. I could do whatever I want. They don't know Daniel. That's how I felt in Tallahassee, boy. That's why I rebirthed, man. But I'm like, this is where you grew up. Almost everybody knows you. But it doesn't act, people didn't act like they, they knew her or recognized her. That older lady in the um in the store. Yeah. She knew her. She was like, Hey Joyce. <laughs> struggle voice. Um, <laughs> but I feel like if you're going to leave, then leave. And once you make up your mind to leave, then okay. I don't think you need to be held hostage or whatever. Right. However, if you're still indecisive about it and you have two kids in the balance. Yeah. Be a lot more careful than that. A hundred percent more because careful. Because if you decide to stay with their father, like. First of all, they might not even realize. um that that you're doing something back. Yes, they'll th- they'll see it as you doing it first right. and looking like a hussy, like a like a wet dog head shaved hussy. And that's exactly what Gail saw, or not Gail, but uh, Lauren. Yeah, she saw that. Listen, you stole me from my dad. You brought me to the country. You got this loud ass woman in the house. And now you sneaking off with some nigga and you bringing a nigga here to show us in the lawn that you, you, you fucking fooling around with this dude. And I still don't know where my dad is. That is troublesome. It's troublesome. Now, you know, in closing, I want to talk about the last talk that uh, Joyce had with her daughter, Gail. Or not Gail, uh, Lauren. Where Lauren just watched her father leave. Yeah. After finally, three weeks later, oh my God, three weeks later, coming to find them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you and I had our speculations as to what he was doing in those three weeks. 
that this whole movie took place what the hell he was doing back at home without his family mm. um but she was like oh so you made dad leave again and she's like listen your dad ain't who he you think he is think about it you've been here for three weeks and it took him three weeks to get here yeah he said he was coming for you you said you needed him and it took him three weeks but I don't think that she did it like that. I think she did. The way that you're saying it is a little more uh, callous. I'm than not what putting it was. sauce on it. I'm telling you, that's exactly how it was received. Well, there was a part of the conversation where where uh, Joyce made the decision to get her to see where she's coming from because I think Joyce just got tired of playing Wonder Woman or whatever. Okay. Um, to make him look good. So, or maybe I should have used a different analogy, but you get what I mean. (laughs) Like she, she wanted to be such a great mom that she allowed the -hmm. girls to see their father in a positive light. Okay. And I think she got tired of doing that because she wasn't putting herself first in that moment. Like you're covering for him, you're covering for him. But at the same time, your daughter, you can see that she's respecting, disrespecting you. um, The more you do this yeah because she doesn't know the other half of it okay and instead of just coming straight out and saying oh your dad ain't you know he didn't come here looking for you she phrased it and let the daughter come to her own conclusion about what took place yeah and she pulled an example that she could relate to okay i could see that so i don't think that it was done callous um callously but more so Listen, since you're going to keep bugging me about this thing, I'm going to explain it to you so you can understand the way that I see it. Okay. Because you can't, like, without crossing a certain line with your child and making them sort of like your confidant about your marriage, like, trying to get them to see that type of thing can be difficult. So she had to use it in an example that was relatable to Lauren. You know what I mean? Yeah. I understand that. So I got a, I got I got just a few questions and we're going to end this one up. Um one um after the film, do you think that they went home and got a divorce? Yeah. You think they got a divorce? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um where does that leave Joyce financially? Cuz you know he's gonna keep that Manhattan uh is he though? Yeah. It took that that man it took that man three weeks to go get his kids. He's gonna keep that. I think that Joyce has street smarts and book smarts. And we knew she had a bit of street smarts from all the flashbacks. Okay. And when she was talking to Derry about the lady taking advantage of her. Yeah. This woman has a prenup. You think she has a prenup? Well, if she doesn't have one for herself, she signed a good one with him that insures her stuff. You know how sometimes people are like, I'm going to have a prenup to protect my assets or whatever. But Mm. I am pretty sure that this prenup gets her some things. Like, it had to look right for her. Mm. So whatever agreement they have, she's walking away with something. Okay. And we know that she already had money because she was just dropping money left and right like it was nothing while she was down south. I think that was his money, but okay. 
No, I mean, she had access to it. I mean, it, it could. It could. She had yeah, access she had to access it. access to this money. Um, now, also, where do you think her relationship with Lauren went? Does Does the husband cut off the tennis and cut off the going to Martha's Vineyard and all this stuff that she was looking forward to for the summer? Yeah. No. No. She lets her go. So then that divide. Wait, you're you're saying that particular summer? Yeah. She was supposed to spend her summer in Martha's Vineyard and tennis lessons. That's what she was excited about for the summer. I think she still gets to go. Okay. Um... Do you see do you see an alternate universe in which Joyce and the girls stay with Derry B? I don't think they stay with Derry B. I didn't either. Um, her girls are city girls. Yeah. She's not, a city girl. Not, not young Miami and JT, but they could be worse. They're city girls. Up north they could be worse. And they could be bodega certain... queens like you. Where your chopped cheese at, Dicker? You're done? You. Yeah, You're I'm done? done. I'm done. I'm done. Um, I don't think that uprooting them like that is going to work, but I do think that they she kind of did though. Not permanently. You it was for up- the summer. That doesn't count. Listen, uproot my kids, and I'm gonna uproot you from Earth. It was like three weeks in the summer. No, E A R F Earth. That's not. That's not even the same thing. Um, I think that they're going to make more visits down south. Throughout the year. Okay. And they are going to summer there. That's mm. what I think. Okay. All right. I'm not mad at these takes. I don't think they're getting Dairy B to come up to New York, though. Oh, man. <laughs> I just don't see it. <laughs> oh, my God. They got to go to Dairy B. Y'all got hot dogs and stands? <laughs> we have to kill the hog back home. <laughs> What is a subway? Where are we gonna go? We going into the we going into the ground? Try us in the fucking subway line, man. Fuck. I need you to not ever, ever try to be. <laughs> What's wrong with being Miss Divine, huh? Don't don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> Whenever we get around to like some black musicals and do uh, Dream Girls, <laughs> why the fuck would we do that? Because of the type of content we do, we're going to have to touch Dream Girls one of these days, man. Oh, man. I know I owe you, what, two movies now? You owe me about three for this one. And I don't know. I clicked on a picture of Loretta Devine, and I don't know why, but, like, it, it got into this trend of, like, showing me, like, a mother role. So they'll have Jerry B, and then the next one is, like, fucking Big Mama, and then the next one is Thea, and then the next one is the mom of Florida Evans. It's like, what the fuck did I just fall into? People probably not knowing the difference between these people. Okay, well, Big Mama is the ultimate villain. Um, I think this nigga. Oh, T. that Kelly, Big Mama. Yeah, that Big Mama. Uh, Troy, he's 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 up there on the villain list for this movie. We're okay. we're gonna have it established. You know what we should do at the end of this season? Have we a, should have mm-hmm. a power ranking. Okay. For villains. Yeah. And for and for for good guys. For okay. redeemed good. Yes, we should do something like that. Because for a long time, Big Mama was number one. Uh, season one, she was a season one champ. Well, I think Troy has to take it just by default. Because this but is he, heinous compared to... This is heinous. Compared to anything else we've 
Well, it's not really heinous in their in their world. No, it's not heinous. To us, it's heinous. To them, it's something they can sweep under the rug. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Um. But. Yeah, I I think that would be kind of dope to kind of like recap and see who exactly the biggest villains, the biggest fucking villains in cinematic. Yeah. Well, not in just cinema, in our shit, okay? Well, black cinema. In our in our episodes, know. yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. But I am really scared to know which two movies you're going to make me watch. Oh, you better but, be scared. But listen, before we get to that one, we are going to link some of the topics from this movie to another movie. Yes, yes, we will. Our first of its kind. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean by that, right? Absolutely not. Our first movie from the crypt. I don't know what. Tyler Perry. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Well, it's the same thing then. Yes, the crypt. (laughs) Tyler Perry's Tales from the Crypt. Yeah. Listen, if they bring that movie back, did they? I feel like somebody tried to bring it back. Oh, you mean the series? It was a series. It was a series. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about tales. I'm thinking of Tales from the Hood. Oh, not Tales from the Crypt. Oh, no, gosh. Tales from the Crypt. Oh, Tales. I like Tales from the Crypt too. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> it was creepy as hell seeing that little skeleton. But... <laughs> hey, berries. <laughs> oh, man. There was this episode it. called Resurrection, and I swear I stayed up all night after watching that episode. It was, mm. it was scary. But um, we do need to get into like some black horror movies. Yeah, I'm down. Uh, whatever one that Marcus Houston and Omarion was on, I'm I'm down. <laughs> a horror movie? What is it called? I know what you're talking I, about. I don't now. remember I just the thought name. About it. It's, it's the, yes. I thought it was You Got Served, but it, apparently they had another one. I'm like, oh my god! If the dance one was scary, like what's this next one? I like I like uh, Tales from the Hood, but I also like Bones. You remember Bones? Was that Snoop Dogg? Yes. I I probably saw it once years and years ago. Oh my gosh! Because I like black exploitation films and I, I yeah I mean and this movie was very much that and fun has Beyonce stepsister in it. Oh, I, you know what? I'm tired of you saying that because like, I, I, I don't vampire. even think you know Beyonce doesn't doesn't picture like if you're not if you're not like the mom making him horrible clothes or or Kelly then you're not really her sibling. I think that Beyonce's gotten to a point where uh, certain aspects of her personal life are just private, so we're not going to see her interacting with Beyonce. Like her IQ? You know what? <laughs> and on that note, we're going to Bye, wrap guys. up. Um, I feel like I'm begging you guys at this point. After listening to the episode, no, keep please begging. go to anchor.fm forward slash GLS pod. Leave us a message and it can end up in a future episode. And she's on her knees doing this. She's got her hands together like like Deary B. Lord, Lord, please. Uh, I just want to let everybody know. <laughs> Anchor.com FM forward slash GLS pod. Please, please, Lord. <laughs> please, Lord. <laughs> Out of breath and shit. Like, you've been on your knees. Like, you're not even fucking running up the stairs. Like, just relax and talk. Fucking Deary B, Loretta Divine. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah, great film, great film. We'll be back with another one.
All right, couch potatoes, that's the end of our episode. Join us next time when we learn something else. Until then, later.